like folk music. Have you heard of? Are we are we live? Are I we just rolling? started it. Okay. But I'll, uh, what were you saying? Oh, I was gonna say, yeah, I am the least musical guest you'll have on here. Um, but I still like music. I like folk music. You you really appreciate music. I do. I well, yes, I do. And um, you were one of the first people I remember on uh, car rides. You would play the entire album as opposed to like a single. And at the time, I thought that was weird. But now, I think it's weird if you make a playlist and play that. Interesting. And not the album. That's a good memory. I don't, I don't recall that. So you helped shape my perspective. Wow. Music. <laughs> <laughs> With the, the very limited musical repertoire I have. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I definitely... I think it's very weird when you like... When, this, when a musician puts together a body of work and they purposely release it as such... And you're like, you just like pick apart what you want to hear. Yeah. Well, there's so much meaning in the placement of the songs. Or exactly. I think there should be. I was, or there, there can be. I was just having this conversation with someone else because they were like talking about that same thing. Well, I just like the hits. And I'm like, well, like Maroon 5's like first albums, uh, Songs About Jane. Oh, yeah, Songs About Jane mm-hmm. is like an entire album about Jane. And you're like, you don't know who Jane is from just right. one song is only a piece of his relationship with Jane. And so, yeah, yeah, I love, yeah, listening to the whole album. I'll usually, like, go on the, um, I'll listen to, like, different playlists, and then I'll discover an artist, and then I'll be like, oh, I want to learn more about them, and I'll go check out an album. For sure. Well, that's how people used to consume their music was the entire album, because you would buy the album. Yeah. People don't buy, like, we're starting to buy, like, vinyl more now, Mm -hmm. but, like, I don't know, iTunes, you'd never really... Well, I guess you could buy the whole album. But that was like... You're not constricted to, to doing that anymore. How do you think the... How do you think Spotify and streaming has changed how people listen to music? And then I guess, well, then you had like the iTunes era. And I, I, I guess you could crunch up cassettes and CDs. Obviously, there's a change there, but it's just a different platform. Yeah, it definitely influences how people find their music spotify has opened it up so you can discover anyone Mm -hmm. um and i think it's more good than it has been bad i mean artists aren't getting paid like what they should be but it's exposing them to so many more people and like so many more playlists are being made on spotify and then people discover an artist on those playlists yeah and you couldn't really do that before with like cassettes or cds yeah, I think, yeah, it's definitely opened me up to listening to way more music. Um, I'm trying to, th- yeah, yeah, it's, I think overall it's been, it's been good. It's, uh, and especially like you, I think there's artists that could never get their music out there and then they can just yeah. put it on Spotify and they might not make money, but they can at least say, hey, go check out my music. Yep. You're literally on the same like playing field as other artists. Mm-hmm. Maybe you're not like you don't have the equipment or the resources to make it like professionally. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But you have the opportunity to to reach yeah. everyone. Yeah. And I heard there is an interesting stat I heard. It was, it was one of those stats where like 99% of the wealth is held in like the 1% of the population, right? And it was like that with like the Spotify uh, money made on it, on the platform. It's like oh yeah, 20 artists make 99% of the profits. Totally. Like, it's, uh, let's see, I think it's $17 for every thousand streams. 
if you were to sell an ad for like say a podcast so you would make you could make about twenty dollars for every thousand thousand streams uh based off of someone paying you an ad mm. Does, and that's being generous do they have to listen to the whole thing no they just have to that's what the Click ad play. if the ad company sees that you have a thousand streams they'll be like here put this in one of your podcasts okay. we'll pay you twenty dollars yeah yeah do you get to choose what kind of ads get to come across uh you do I actually changed my hosting service so I could have complete freedom mm. in what I wanted. Before I was using another service and it was really cheap and I was like, oh, this is great. It's only like $80 a year. And I was like, all right, cool. But they didn't allow me to place my ads. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I can't do that. Like this is a piece of art. And then you're just going to like randomly cut a conversation with an ad. Mm-hmm. Insert it wherever they, they yeah. want. Okay. So for the time being, this podcast is only sponsored by Bowtie Audio. <laughs> if you are <laughs> looking for a wedding DJ, I can personally attest. look no further. Bowtie Audio. A uh, very good DJ. Would recommend. So uh, this podcast is called Modern Folk. We're sitting here with Tim Adams. Welcome to the podcast, Tim. Cheers. Thanks for having me, Ty. Thanks for coming over. I've been looking forward to doing this for a while. Modern folk, they make good friends. I'm just starting to figure it out. Don't lose yourself to loneliness because modern folk are all around. You know, Tim has been a friend of mine for many moons. It's been a long time, actually. One of yeah. my oldest friends, actually. Like We've met each six. other... 2012 is when we... 2012, yeah. Freshman Ooh, year. Ooh, that's 10 years ago. Do, do you remember the context? <laughs> it was uh, the math class. Oh, yeah. It was Calc that 1, was great. like With Colin Excel or something. Oh, yeah, Colin Humphrey. Oh, yeah. And was, wow. was Vicky in that, too? Oh, yeah. And, and Elizabeth. Elizabeth Zerf- yeah. yeah. It was her birthday. Shout out to Elizabeth yesterday. Oh, hey. Isn't she, she's in Omaha, too. Uh-huh. I yep. think she's at... I saw that she was at Central. I'm not sure. But anyway, yeah. Shout out. Happy birthday. Elizabeth. Man, that was a loaded uh, calc class. It was. There was a lot of good people in that one. Um, and we we had this extended uh, TA session, I remember, that we would hang out in this one TA. It was like... I think he was a little self-conscious, but like we were all very social. And so he like... we that like, was fun. Brought him out and, you know, and... Uh, but yeah, we've it's fall of twenty twelve, going on going on a decade. That's right. And then we we continue to be involved in. Oh, we lived together for a while. We lived together for a while. Eighteenth uh, and J down in Lincoln. Oh yeah. Shout out to the dude Plex. Shout out to Eight Ball. To Eight Ball. Oh my gosh, we were both tie to Eight Ball. Yeah, that's right. Because <laughs> he's these two like tall white kids, and he's like, oh, it must be the same guy. Um. Uh, we were curling. We we, we curled still together. Curl. We still curled together. We were recently on a trip. Yep. Did we do pretty good on that one? We did all we right. We won. But we won a match. We won a match. That was it's tough competition. When you show up to Wisconsin uh-huh. for curling, it's you better bring your A game. Yeah, you uh you introduced me to the sport of curling. Yeah, we needed a sub. I remember this because we needed a sub. Yep. Um, and I was like, and we were like. Well, I'll bring my friend Ty. I know he's always a little up. pickup game of curling. Yeah, yeah. Ty, you want to curl, and you're like, heck yeah. The rest was history. Yeah, it was. It's a it, curling is a 
Have you talked about curling with much, many people? Is that one of like when you talk to people, introduce yourself, like, oh, I curl? Uh, yeah, it's a it's a go to fun fact. Yeah, go to fun fact. Yep, yep. And uh, everyone's like, oh, is that? Are you a? They always ask, are you a sweeper or are you a pusher? Yep. And you have to inform them. You do both. Absolutely. So uh, Tim is a transportation engineer. A mm-hmm. uh, a powerful young man who's interested in city oh, planning and the general um, well-being of society. Yes. Yeah, I would say so. So, yeah, a little bit about me. Um, I am a transportation engineer. Uh, I got my civil engineering degree from UNL back in 2016. And then I worked at the Nebraska Department of Roads at the time. Now it's the Department of Transportation. Working for the state. Yeah, working for the state. That was an interesting job. I did that for a year. I did traffic. I was a traffic control engineer there. And I, if you don't know this, every sign on every, every state highway is approved by an engineer and designed, except for like the normal ones, like a stop sign or a yield sign. But any of the green signs that are telling you mileage markers or guidance signs or the brown signs. And, and so I did that for a year. I designed signs, signing plans, striping, and like detours for construction and it was not a great fit um the pace at a dot like you would expect is very slow and for a young guy coming out of college it was not quite what i wanted to do and so i got an opportunity to go back to college and get my master's and so i did that um and then afterwards i well during what was your master's in it was in civil engineering with a specialty in transportation. Okay. And so I did research during that time on alternative intersection designs and uh, did a thesis on what's called a restricted crossing U-turn. Um, Nebraska just built the its first one a couple of years ago, and it was the intersection that I studied. It's out by Humphrey, Nebraska. Okay. And I met my wife during that time, and she ended up going to med school, and we moved up to Omaha, and now I work for a private firm up here. So um, That's wonderful. So you have some signs that you have uh, done some work on, and maybe some yes. traffic lighting and stuff like that? Yeah, so for my time at the, the DOT, if you drive northbound on, uh, it would be... What is it? Is it I one eighty that comes out of uh-huh. Lincoln? Yeah, all those signs, those guidance signs are all mine. I'll I'll point Matt. I'm a very annoying like passenger on a road trip through Nebraska because I'll be like, oh, that's my sign, or I'll be like, oh, that's not MUTCD compliant, which uh, it's not a great. <laughs> it's not very entertaining. Um, no, but that's a very powerful role that you have. You could be like driving down the road and you're like, I don't like that. I'm going to change that. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And so, and so what I do now is much, it's much more, uh, overall transportation focused. And so for a private firm, I do a lot of like private development work. So like if you wanted to put in like, uh, like a development in Westdale or something, you gotta like build a street network and you're going to connect to the existing one and you're, you're going to have different traffic control types, either stop signs, roundabouts, signals. Um, and 
And so we help those private developers. We work for them and we produce a traffic study. We forecast their growth into the future, see what kind of uh, like traffic volumes they're going to bring onto the system and what kind of effects and what kind of improvements they need to do from turn lanes to traffic control to roadway cross-section, uh, pedestrian improvements. Um, and then it goes to the city. And then the other types of work is also we do a lot of work for municipalities, like cities, uh, regional planning organizations. Um, we do state work. And so I do a lot of, like, just general roadway studies. If they uh, think this lane, that like, if there's been a, high, a lot of crashes out there and they want to do a safety study and see what maybe improvements they can do or... Um, if they want to do a lane reduction, like, Hey, this area is like, we're doing a study in Des Moines through Drake campus. And it's like seeing if like, Oh, should this be less lanes? And like, what can we do with this area? Um, so it's a lot of like, um, reports and studies. Yeah. Yeah. I do a lot of analysis. I, I do lots of it now. Now I'm, I'm doing a little bit more project management, but overall, yeah, I do. We do a lot of analysis of volumes and and forecasting and and a lot of data type manipulation. If you're looking at crashes and you're like trying to tease out what what kind of crashes are there, like there's a big difference between like if you got like a high like side swipe type crash frequency as a as opposed to like angle type or when are these crashes happening? Are they during like a nighttime period and like maybe that's like a random event or usually if there's it's not random and you dive into why that is and you figure out like oh the signals go on flash like at this certain time period people are getting confused and so how do you have access to this data it's all it's all public and so we we request it from these municipalities and and so like if you wanted <laughs> if you wanted the last 10 years of crashes in like the state of nebraska you could get it I think they have to give it to you, actually. Um, probably. I know, like, the like, cameras at the intersections, that's all accessible. Yeah. In, the, in, in, Nebraska, in Lincoln, I think they have it. For sure in Lincoln. Some of them aren't, though. They, they think it's kind of a... Uh, that's, that's an interesting, actually, thing. Uh, red, like, red light cameras and cameras at intersections. Mm-hmm. And they're... I don't know. It's interesting to me because there's like, there's like, there's actually camps in that of like privacy and like the invasion of privacy mm. as opposed to like engineers are trying to use them to like stop people from running red lights and increasing safety or to better operations. And so I don't know if that's mm. an interesting subject. Um, I've got a few questions about some projects that are going on. Oh, um, yeah. The train. That's going downtown Omaha. Ooh, the the streetcar. The streetcar. Yes. Yeah, not a not a train. Not a train. Not a trolley. Not a, not a train. Not a trolley. Uh, I don't know what the difference between a trolley and a streetcar. Uh, is. when I was in New Orleans, so when I was in New Orleans, they I said, "Do the trolleys come here?" And somebody was like, "Trolleys? This isn't San Francisco. <laughs> These are streetcars." <laughs> I wonder if and, it's like and I. I, as far as I can tell, I don't see a difference, but trolleys are San Francisco specific streetcars. Oh, they you, were streetcars in New Orleans. Yeah, yeah. They definitely say streetcars around here because Kansas City has a streetcar. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe it's like one of those, like people say pop and Coke and soda yeah, kind of know. things. Um, but yeah, the streetcar in Omaha, that's, I'm, I'm excited about it. It's, 
it's, was that a big deal to get that in place? Yeah. Oh yeah. It's been, it's been talked about for well over a decade. If, if not, it goes back decades. I actually have a, a map of the old streetcar system in Omaha. It's really interesting. Omaha, all these old cities, like, like Omaha used to be this really, Omaha is a super interesting town because it, it built out really quickly back in the late 1800s and early 1900s. And so it's got this really historical grid pattern type build to the city. And, uh, and so it's got all these unique neighborhoods that, uh, are connected by these boulevards. And so the really old city Mm -hmm. planner, um, had this idea of these bullet, like you have Hanscom Boulevard, you have Saddle Creek road, and then you've got, uh, military Boulevard, military Avenue and all these, all these are boulevards that are connecting these various neighborhoods like Dundee and Benson and, and center East center street and, and so, and they all had streetcars on them, and I see. and so it's very heavily connected. And so they, they, that's a long story. They got ripped out, but anyway. And now these cities, like Kansas City, has been a really great example of they're bringing back this streetcar, and it's been hugely successful. And it like increases land value. There's a a lot of uh, transit TOD development is what they call it, transit oriented development that happens and high density. It's where a lot of there's a lot of interest in the in the upcoming generation of current like college students and like what is it Gen Zers and that are really in millennials that are super interested in it. And fascinating. Where where all does that connect in Omaha? Yeah, so the plan right now and they're doing a study, I think it's HDR that's doing the study and they're doing it I think it's been proposed that and I, I'm pretty sure it's pretty firm that it's going to go from the CHI Health Center, which is not a hospital. It's an event center. Yep. Um, I saw John Mulaney there last weekend. Oh, did you? Uh-huh. Oh, that how was that act? It was very good. It was not like like laughing the entire time through. Yeah. It, was mer- it was more like storytelling. Mm-hmm. Very entertaining, and he's, he's very captivating and a great storyteller. He does really great specials. Yeah. Matt and I uh, listen to those, and they're, they're really great. I always think seeing comedians live is... I don't know. I don't know. It was weird at CHI. I had never been to a big like comic act. Oh, and that was like yeah. full produced, like basically a concert. Like they had the mm-hmm. like speaker rays and like lighting just for one person talking on a mic, and that was just kind of we- is weird. Did they did they do the uh, the cell phone thing where you put mm-hmm. it in a, a bag, right? Yep. Everybody so- puts their phone in a bag, and. I remember like we were trying to find our seats and everybody yeah. was having troubles. And I was like, what is going on? Like, how is this so misorganized? It's because no one had their phone. Oh, yeah. Like you wrote it down on a piece of paper or you were supposed to. Mm-hmm. But uh, like some people don't do some it. Some people like, don't. Oh, and then maybe you like wrote it wrong. And it was like nobody could check on their phone. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's that's funny. I love that idea, though. Yeah, I do. I like that, too. Is it... I know comedians do it a lot. That's where I've only seen it, but I, I think musicians would want yeah, it, too. Yeah, I mean, comedians are protecting their material because they're working on a special. Or, like, they yes. do the same okay, like, material, and if somebody just, like, released it, then their special wouldn't be as, like, impactful. Oh, interesting. Um, But it also does make it so you're, like more engaged yeah and the audience is engaged with you and i don't i don't think so yeah it's not as a big of a deal for musicians but i think it'd be it'd make it nice because then like i don't know sometimes i even if i'm at a concert sometimes like oh i should be taking a video or a picture this is so amazing yeah but if i couldn't it'd be like well i I can't no one else can 
Yeah. Um, just enjoy myself. Be there in the moment. Mm-hmm. I totally agree. And and for I guess people listening to this, maybe they don't know what we're talking about, but it's like these little bags that like have like an auto like electronic lock on the top. Yeah. It's so, like the thing when you like take something from the store and they have for like a yeah. bottle of wine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like it's got the, the, the pop thing, thing on the top. Yeah. And so you literally you have your phone with you the entire time, but you just it's in this bag with you. And so you, when you leave, you get a, you get your phone essentially back. Um, but anyway, CHI. So the, the streetcar will go from CHI and it's going to run down Farnham slash Harney all the way to the new, uh, UNMC next development. That's at the Saddle Creek road. Oh, cool. Which is essentially like what? 50, 52nd street, essentially. And that whole next development, it's a, it's a big thing going in. It's going to be like the exarbon of like medical centers. Like they're putting in like multi-use type development and new hospital space, health centers, like long patient. Like if you're there at the health center for a long period of time, like you, they want to make like almost like a community where you can like stay and like interact and still be a part of the community. Well, that's cool. I'm excited to see that, you know, it'll be, it'll be neat. It'll be neat. I hope it, I hope it encourages, I'm already like making plans in my head. I love looking at maps and I'm already thinking like, oh, this is where the next one should go. And and obviously the next one should go right by my house. Um, man, wouldn't that be nice? Yeah. Stop on a train. It would be so nice. There used to actually in the old map, it was just literally a block to the east is where an old one would, would come and it would go right up straight up park Avenue. That'd be so convenient to go to like CHI to a show. Oh yeah. Oh, you just jump on it. And that's, I mean, that's, I mean, man, we can go to this city development. Um, but like it's, it's already really convenient. Oh, quote overall, like to get around my, the community I live. I live in down, what is called like essentially people consider it downtown Omaha because Omaha goes out to like 200 and at least fourth street right now. And is still, it's going past that. Elkhorn is like Omaha. Yeah, El- I, it is Omaha. Elkhorn's an interesting story at how it became Omaha. Um, Just like recently. Uh, yeah, about, that would have been two decades ago. Oh, okay. It got annexed. And that was that was an interesting story because they didn't want to get annexed. And Omaha basically... They scooped them up. They scooped them up. Oh, yeah, it's a, it's a really interesting... So I took this, I took this in my master's degree, I took this uh, planning and law class. And this guy, this lawyer from the community would sit down and, and like, it was like story time every, every week with him. And he would tell us stories about like, what's going on, like wh- how, something about law and planning. And like one time he's talking like, okay, let's talk about annexation. And we're going to talk about Elkhorn. And basically Elkhorn, if you're over 10,000 population, you get into a new class of city and Elkhorn was like an 8,000 or something. Mm. And, and if you're at that next class, you cannot be annexed without your, without approving of your own annexation. And if you're below that, you have no choice. A bigger city like Omaha or Lincoln can just swallow you up. And which is a very, like, I mean, yeah. And so like they essentially like on a Friday after and like, there was like PR stuff going on all the time because people were like, oh, when is Omaha going to do it? Because it's always been Omaha's strategy of swallowing up these little cities. It's like they, they make, they essentially make money on it because they're able to consolidate their services and like into their own. And then they get a, a bigger like tax base essentially. Yeah. And 
And so like this Alcorn, like swallow up campaign, like was always talked about, but like, oh, almost like, oh, we have no interest in doing it. And then, uh, Elkhorn, they asked Elkhorn, like, oh, are you going to like, you know, try to annex your own like patches of land to get over 10,000? Like, oh no, we have no interest in doing that. Like we're, we're on good terms with Omaha. But then on like a Friday afternoon, they, they send the papers in to annex these other Elkhorn does so that they would get over 10,000. And then Omaha can't respond because it's Friday afternoon. And so it's the weekend. And then Monday morning, Omaha sends their own paperwork to annex Elkhorn. And so, and then they both sue each other and they're both like going through the courts and suing each other. And, and it's because of this like quirk in the law that Omaha literally gets done with their process of annexing them like two days or whatever before Elkhorn can get over 10,000 population. And they immediately disband the city council, stop the suit because it's their own suit now. And they like, it's no longer a city. Interesting. I didn't know that story behind it. I have friends who live in Elkhorn and I know that it's kind of like weird. They're always like, Mm -hmm. we live in Elkhorn, but technically it's Omaha. We're like, our kids go to Omaha public school. Yeah. But we live in Elkhorn. Elkhorn. Yeah. It's very, it has its own, very much its own identity. People, people still put like, when you mail something out to Elkhorn, you, you put down Elkhorn and it'll still get there. Yeah. But even though it's, it's technically Omaha. Um, so, uh, my other question, um, while we're still talking about, I don't know, traffic control and all that, yeah, the South Belt in Lincoln, how is that coming along okay. and where does that connect? Okay. They're, I drive through it quite a bit and they're yeah. making way. Yeah. Yeah, they are there. It's going to, it's actually opening up this summer. Okay. And cool. so it won't like be at full capacity this summer. They're going to, they'll basically have like two or three lanes open on it. And so it connects like about at Saltilla Road in um, in US 77 on the southwest corner of Lincoln. And it goes all the way east to uh, Highway 2, right? And so... Can you get onto the interstate from there? You can't, you can't get to I-80 from that. That would require an east beltway, which is talked about, right? Because that'd be sweet if I could just go yeah, yeah, yeah. all the way up. To all the, the way up, right? And so, and so they, it's definitely like something they have an idea for, but that would be, oh, a couple decades. Okay. Um, so the south beltway, they primarily wanted to do it because they wanted to take traffic off of Highway 2 going through the city. And it'll spur economic development in the area. Um, but yeah, it should be, uh, I, I, sorry about the burp there in the podcast. That's right. Um, and, um, yeah, yeah, that, that's about all I know about that project. Did you listen to uh, Ben Saul's podcast with a burp? Yeah. Yeah. You sorry. guys, sorry about that. <laughs> yeah. You're going to start doing the burp intro because it's, it's so ingrained into this podcast. I had a, so I don't really edit these much at all, but there's a few times where like, there'll be like dead space or like a burp that's just really easy to take out and I'll just like snip it out. Uh And that's what I started to do with uh, my conversation with Ben. And so I had this like bank of all these belches and then he, we like talked about it and he like, yeah, whatever made the joke. I was like, Oh, this is a perfect opportunity for me to (laughs) To insert all all of the edited burps and put them in. So they're all there. <laughs> they, yeah, you edited them just to a different place. Yeah. Um, well, cool. I uh, I appreciate your hearing your thoughts about these civil engineering 
projects. Um, it's literally changing the way that we live and like how it affects our lives. So it's very interesting. Yeah. Uh, I do have some questions from fans. Oh, already? Yeah. Is this live? Uh, no, but I told some select... You you preempted the question. So, so like, yeah, oh, we're going to be talking some to select Tim. fans, some super fans that we had Timothy Adams on the podcast. No, so all your, all your transportation questions. You can um, I'm going to hit you with the, the more technical ones. These are, uh, yeah, they're just in general, like city planning questions. And then I have some fun ones. Okay. So, uh, let's, let's just jump right into it. So how is segregation avoided in city planning? Oh, that's, uh, and I noticed this in New Orleans. So mm, if mm-hmm. once, once I get your opinion, I'll chime in. How is segregation avoided in city planning? Okay. So that's, I'm not, okay. So, oh, I should have said this earlier. Any opinions I have are, are just my opinion. They're not my professional guidance at all, um, as a professional engineer or, uh, recommendations. Um, and so I don't, I have an engineering background and so, but I got a, I got a planning minor and I've been very interested in more of the, the softer, what maybe engineers would call the softer part of like transportation, engineering, planning, uh, professionalism overall. And in this, this area is actually, it's really interesting. So there's there, maybe I should go off an example. I think it's the best way to talk about this. Uh, so like in Omaha, so I know Omaha best, but this happens in a lot of cities. If you go to like, uh, St. Louis, you'll notice that it's very segregated and like, Mm -hmm. even like walled off, like the communities are like essentially where the rich white people live. And, and so like in Omaha, everyone knows that like, it's just very general that like, oh, the African American population lives in North O, uh, South O is predominantly Hispanic. Um, and and I don't know how you necessarily was the question is how do you avoid that? Yeah. How do you avoid uh racism or in uh in city planning? Yeah. And maybe I mean, yeah, maybe if you could just talk about that. Maybe it's not yeah. Maybe it's not intended to so, not be Yeah, so like you can you should avoid it by not okay. So like a, here's an example of racism in like or it's a consideration like, oh, they're so like an example of would be so when the interstate system originally came through in the 19 when it's approved in the 1950s by Dwight D. Eisenhower, it got built out over the next like essentially two decades. And so they they ran it through, like we know, obviously, they ran it through the entire country, like you have I 80 through rural America. And then obviously, it comes into Omaha and they wanted they had this objective to connect it straight into the downtown area, right? And so, in like in Omaha, you have I 480 that like will drop you right into the downtown area. And and in order to put that, so I-80 mainly ran along undeveloped areas. So it, it didn't touch too much. It obviously did. The more east you got towards the river, it did go through what is South Omaha, which it was a poorer area um, at the time. And, but then 480 has been the contentious one. And actually there's been prop, like, we're getting a conversation about like, people want to actually take it down. And so there's actually in the new infrastructure bill, they set out a couple billion dollars to like re- remediate this type of racism that mm-hmm. 480 uh, went straight through a poor uh, Catholic Polish neighborhood 
and like no one cared about these immigrants at the time and then it went straight through the the poor african-american neighborhood and it stopped and if you go to if you keep going to the north all of a sudden it stops becoming a freeway and it just becomes a regular highway when it gets up to florence and florence at the time was predominantly white and so there was enough like like pushback in that area yeah. that they they couldn't do it and then if you look at an aerial map of where 480 kind of jogs the east where it like kind of and then uh 75 keeps going to the north mm -hmm. you'll see it looks like a t and there should be like a west side to this and so the whole the plan of it at the time was like that they're gonna they're gonna push 480 to the west as well like so like dodge street was the main artery through the east west in omaha and they essentially wanted to make that about a couple blocks in the north. They wanted to make it a freeway through the central Omaha. And that was the plan. And it never got built because there that would I go through the like, what is the cathedral district? And uh, and so and there was just enough rich, mainly white people at the time that uh, that like said, like had enough political like influence that like it didn't happen and so they got their say in it but a lot of these black communities and these polish communities just had no say mm -hmm. and and so they've done a lot to recently to like try to we don't we don't get it as bad as that that that's really and so they're trying to do more things to like hey we really like screwed over these communities and we want to maybe restore them because it cuts right through. Like if anyone knows Dinkers, that which is just a couple blocks from where I live here, it's just it's like has a big sign on it. This is uh, almost best burger, which you know I'm not biased, but uh, it might be. Uh, and and if you think it is, I I think it's I think it really okay. could be. I haven't stopped. I've seen the sign many times. I oh, know you, where it's at. You should. It's like it's literally like a three dollar burger. Okay. And like they have the best onion rings in town. Like the. I oh. hands down like maybe the best onion rings in the state and wow. it's honestly a modest claim like you know when like restaurants they'll put out like oh best burger in the world yeah like and they don't even say it in the u.s they don't even say in nebraska they just say in omaha which i you know i can appreciate i'm like you know you can yeah you can definitively say oh the best burger in omaha anyway um and so but like that it's a, like a cool little and so if you look at dinkers the the east side of the road is literally the interstate so this this really cool brick building, and it used to be called Sheely Town, until literally the interstate came through and plowed out the completely like completely changed it. Completely changed it, yeah. Like the you can't the, walk there anymore. Yeah, you not on the east side because it's an interstate, and so like literally it took out. There was like buildings that were matched this little downtown Sheely Town, and they just took them out, and so now it's like. And this this community on the east and west side of the interstate is no longer a community. Like it's totally separate. And so how how you can avoid that now is like when you are making decisions, it's it's this is so interesting time. At least I think it is. And uh when these transportation decisions, like every like how you travel how you decide to travel and will affect like how what kind of system we build, right? And in like in how how much like you got to decide how much how much access do you want? How how quickly do you want to get places? How 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 permeable do you want your neighborhoods? How 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 quickly do you want to be able to travel through them? Because that's a safety concern as, as well as a livability is like because you ever notice like in a lot of neighborhoods, you never see kids 
walking around. No, no parent lets their kids walk places anymore. It's because like you have people going 45 miles an hour down yeah. your neighborhood street. Yeah. And like, and like, and so like we're, we're designing our streets. Now this is, we're getting in an area where like a lot of, a lot of roadway engineers would like disagree with me. You know, it's, it's like, it feels like it's in my, in my area, it's like a battle between engineers and planners. And I'm like, yeah. it doesn't need to be that way. It's like, we know this, these are the facts. It's just like, right. let's come together and build a good transportation system. And so like, I guess maybe to wrap up the question is like, how do you avoid that is like you do a, when you are just making these decisions, it's not consider you, you build, I, I always say like when you are going to make changes to a roadway system, don't take into account pass by trip. Like when you build it to how the community wants it to be built. Like, I think it's ridiculous when we, when a lot of times when we build a road for the, the commuter, I'm like, they don't have to live with this five lane monstrosity. Yeah. And like you put a five lane road through the middle of a neighborhood, it's like now their kids, the people that actually live there, they're never, their kids aren't going to walk around. So that goes for everything. Like if you have, like, if you like, this is disadvantaged population, let them decide how they want their own community to look. And that includes their roads. And so like, do they, do they have the voice to say that though? That's a good question. Um, I would say it, it depends on what level. So when we do our a lot of our traffic studies before um, decisions are made, it depends. It depends who. So like this depends how high up the decision is coming from. Obviously, so like this streetcar, right. for example, is very, very politically driven. Also by, by politics and big business, like. Uh, Mutual of Omaha really wants this streetcar because it'll be close to them yeah It'll exactly bring it's people. gonna be right past their new skyscraper they're putting in and so like here's a good question is like this new skyscraper and they said they would not be able to build a skyscraper which is a huge Ooh, sorry excuse yeah. me yeah <laughs> modern folk they would not be able to build a skyscraper without the streetcar as well like it's part it's an integral part of why they want to be in downtown omaha right now where they're putting the skyscraper okay is over they're literally tearing down Omaha's central library is, which is very interesting. Right. And I don't have a, a large opinion on this cause they're, they're going to put in a new location, but it's off to the South. And like, it just, <laughs> I don't know how you get around. And I'm not saying it's good or bad. Like it might be a better location and like they're able to build a new facility or I think they're remodeling uh, an old brick building for it. And it, it might come back better than it is, but like it is very interesting that you're tearing down Omaha Central Library to put right. in this giant skyscraper. Uh, but as far as how projects are influenced and how if that voice is given, so like yeah. those are the projects where the city's just going to do it, and they they might do a public engagement. But like I would say, every other project besides that, they do a decent job. They do they do good public engagement. It's it's part of every project I do before something gets built. We go to the public and we ask, we have like, oh, this is, this is advice for all our listeners is that if you have a problem with your city, like say you even a pothole or you think like, oh man, maybe a signal should go here or a stop sign or whatever it might be. Send an email to your city council member or, or just to the city public works. Like they're extremely responsive. This is good advice. I do. I do studies like for cities that are like, like $20,000 studies that are like 
like I'm looking at alternatives at an intersection to like maybe put in a roundabout because two people just it, all it took was it was actually one person in this case it was a it was a well-worded email that wasn't just like screaming it was it was saying hey i'm really concerned about the crash history here and the operations like it backs up quite a bit and it blocks some driveways and people are making some dangerous maneuvers and it was like three paragraphs that this guy wrote to the um the county engineer and the county engineer like came to us and he, he asked me hey tim can you do this study we got these concerns here and we want to see if we can make some changes and like we'll study to see if there's actually a problem there and okay so we we got under contract and we we did the study for them there are problems there's safety concerns there's operations and now they might be getting a new intersection there and this is all because one person like voiced their concern so i guess what i would say on that is when these products do come through and uh well first i'll always voice your concern if you have it don't just a lot of people are very cynical for good reason i think a lot of times that voice your concern with your 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 public workers and uh with your voted in officials and um um, and when those public meetings come on for these big projects, like if they're going to change your road, make sure you go to them and don't be a, uh, you, at these public meetings, they can get pretty wild. And cause if we're changing someone's road or we're even, we're not even right. saying this is what we're doing. We're like just proposing it. Yep. Um, and people get very emotional. Sure. So this question kind of ties into it. And then there's another one that's pretty close to it, but how do residents stay up to date with their city developments and in the future? Hmm future developments oh okay so ooh, the best way to do this if you and if you really want to get your voice heard go to your planning commission meetings um so for example most most cities have obviously a city council um and then if you get into any kind of a bigger city uh, like omaha or lincoln size they'll have even a planning commission because the city council doesn't have enough time and so when there is a development process it ha- proposed it has to go through these different the commissions and get approval like and then so you can anyone in the public can go to these and anyone in the public can speak on them too excuse me and uh and uh i would highly recommend that's how that's how you learn it and like if you don't want to go to the meetings then you can look up the agenda and the minutes and you will get all the anything that was presented there which these plats for these new developments have to be presented there so if you want to know what's going on like in your area definitely engage in that i mean follow your local news channels they usually do a pretty good job of covering this stuff um but they won't be on the beat as quickly as the, these planning commission meetings and you can really see what's coming along every most cities also have like a master plan where and you can look these up if you just look up like pretend you live in ashland just google it yeah just google ashland okay. uh master transportation plan or master development plan and you'll see exactly what the city's planning to do with every area now they don't have to strictly follow this every time but this is a center they're they're definitely they're for they're forecasting exactly what what move they're going to do and so these planners which is the planning is a very interesting field it's yeah we can we could talk about that uh and yeah that's that's what i'd recommend beautiful i'm going to do one more uh city planning question and then we'll do a fun one so uh okay. how do you manage preserving the city's identity and expanding it so i guess for any specific city that has mm-hmm. culture mm-hmm. identity how yeah. do you preserve that yeah that's a i really that's a good question that's something i've really struggled with actually um because i do a lot of these these um uh, 
these traffic studies for a lot of this like urban sprawl type development that's going on all across the country. And I don't, I don't love it. And maybe we, we could talk about that and why I don't love it. And I think it's really harmful um, to how we live. And I think we're not made to live in these kinds of communities because there's just a lack of community. And, and also there's just a lack of like character at all to like every, everywhere in the country looks the same now. If you ever like, pull, if you're a pull off an exit. You ever right. That? Like, and that's kind of been because of like, walmart and gas yeah, stations exactly. and, and mcdonald's and yeah. like the same and it's the same format and they have they have this stamp right. that they they take and like they just put you know across the country because is that an american thing uh i mean probably do, canada definitely happens i would i would say mexico i'm not as familiar with but i know it definitely happens in canada uh they're they're um there's this really good uh urban planning YouTube channel called not just bikes. And he talks about a lot of these things and he's, he lives, he's in a Canadian that spent a lot of time in America and other places around the world. And now he lives in the Netherlands and he talks about a lot of these concepts. There's a lot of interesting, there's also this, this uh, movement called strong towns. that talks a lot about this and how do you keep that character? That's, that's really, really really tough um i think the easiest well no it's one of the hardest but the best ways to do it is run for public office um that's how you change it it's these city council and planning boards that make the decisions um it's and so like how how this happens is obviously these uh people sell their land to be developed then these developers get it and they obviously develop it into what they think they can sell and so it's it's a free market kind of thing, and it's I guess like it's our own fault because it's what. But we, there could be city ordinances. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And so that's a really in interesting a city. thing. Yeah, no, that's super interesting. And so, so how you maybe encourage more character or keep the character of a town is that like yeah, so you would you would convince your city to have ordinances or or guidelines that they have to adhere to. It's either like, you know, obviously there's like covenants that, that like dictate what kind of building materials you can have, but a city could do that just as well. And they're like saying, Hey, we want it to stay in a grid pattern because we want to keep this consistent that it's a permeable neighborhood. We want it walkable. And the city could then say like, Hey, you, we want, I don't know, 20 foot wide streets or something like, you know, or like we want bump outs at every corner so that like, like the, it's more walkable and safe. And, and so like appearing, engaging, how you do this is these decisions are happening. You can't control the free market besides like that you, you purposely choose to buy and rent and into neighborhoods you actually want and the demand there goes up and then obviously that'll affect down the line. But I guess in the more immediate is you show up to these planning meetings, you show up to your city council, you contact your people that, hey, these are my concerns of how our city's being made. And like for Ashland, for example, Mm-hmm. great example there's this it's a really cute small town it's on this like i i love grid pattern neighborhoods and and they're 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 getting really popular like ashland has a nice location everybody loves the downtown it's very cute it's all brick and it's very walkable and 
and the it's a very popular place to live now and so like they're building these new neighborhoods and they're they're not like in matching at all what ashland is they're, hmm, that's these, interesting yeah it's very interesting and i'm like like i'm just like, like it's in, new construction yeah it's it's new construction but like you can do new construction wow all these houses used to be these neighborhoods used to be new construction and i'm like why do you know like the magic that's happening here it's there's a reason why people are coming to ashland and it's not because of the windy like neighborhoods and with this two stall garages and the huge backyards. Like it's because they have like these two story, like nice craftsman style houses that are like without the fences. So you can see your neighbors and it has a front porch on it. And the emphasis is on the front yard that you're in community with your neighbors anyway. And so like, I, I almost think that they're like, they're ruining their own. I don't think they're ruining their own town, but like, I think that's a little far, but like, I, I think they're making a mistake. Interesting. I enjoy hearing your perspective on that. Um, we have a question here from a listener, Ben Fox. Ooh, Ben Fox. Go way back. Um, so you're a curler. I'm a curler. You also golf? I also golf. So this is a question. Um, ben would really like to know how, um, how you compare planning a a curl serve with okay. a shot in golf. How do you compare throwing a stone to teeing up? Man, that's actually, or do you No, I, there's a lot of similarities between yeah. curling and golf. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so similar that after this. Yeah. It's, it's similar that like you'll see signs at like the curling facility saying of like they have like sponsors boards and there'll be one from the local golf course and it says see you in the off season so like it's a lot of the same population right yeah and uh, it's kind of winter yeah it's, it's winter golf almost yeah because it's like it's the it's the winter version of like you get a there's no strength there's not a you can make it strenuous if you get sweeping hard enough um oh yeah for sure yeah and uh um, but it, it's casual. You can crack a beer out on the ice like you can on the course. Um, it's a community sport. Community. Yep. Yep. You're playing with oh, four guys. Usually that's, or, or, or women. And you're usually, yeah. Anyway, um, I, that's actually a really good question because I think they are very similar in the fact that most of it's a mind game and you have to have the mechanics down just like yeah. a golf swing. If you don't have your mechanics down, you, you can't hit the ball or it, when you do hit it well, I, I once heard, I once I was in golf lessons and the the instructor when I was young said the worst thing you can do is hit the ball well on a bad swing because then all of a sudden it convinces you this is how you should swing the club. And I think the same thing can go for curling because it's a lot about the mechanics and like people can make decent shots with bad mechanics and and it'll turn out all right, but like you can never get past that. You can't you can't get to a level sure. and a consistency. And so like you have to have good mechanics in order to be a consistent curler. But then after you have that down, which eh, it takes a while to get that down, um, it's all a head game. And it's like learning these little minute things like reading the ice and 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 like thinking like, okay, I threw it like this last time. Okay. And like just like golf is like, okay, I swung my club just like this last time, except it went a little to the left. Just like I but then you gotta read how you impacted that ball on that day and how your mechanic is because it's not gonna be the same. But for that day it's probably gonna be relatively the same. Just like you gotta read this ice. And so like yep. can you dial it's very that in? experience based 
and some of the most dangerous curlers are like old oh, guys they're like the ancient <laughs> the guys that you wouldn't assume to be great oh my gosh oh my gosh and then you got the really old guys that are like delivering with the the stick yeah with the stick yeah so they that's almost cheating yeah I, I feel i don't have you ever done it i've never tried it uh, i don't know that i have yeah i, I want to like try it to see if it's actually i mean you don't see you could do it, couldn't you? Like I don't know. People would probably not be <laughs> like, impressed with they're, you. They're seeing you like. But I bet if you like were used to it, you could do. You could be better. Oh, I bet. I because you're not like sliding. I don't know if you can get it. Can you get as much power though? You think? Oh, that's a good point. And there is something about like a when you're pushing off. Like if you have that really good rhythm, then yeah. it's just like a very yeah. It's easy a finesse. Yeah, like it's not a hard thing. It's just repetition. What you're used to, and I and I feel like I I feel like the better I feel like it is better to. I think it's easier for early curlers to probably serve like standing up. Yeah, but like because I mean it's you just push right. It's like right. what is that? Is it a shuffleboard that you do that? Um, yeah, yeah, shuffleboard. Yeah. So it's just like a shuffleboard serve. Yeah, I take it back. I think pushing off from the hack is is better. Is better. I think I think overall, yeah, but like. It's it's great that you can have like you literally have someone in their nineties still right. curling, yeah. Um, and like you'll you'll see some of those old guys still use those old brooms uh-huh. that they're just slapping the ice with. It's like it literally looks like something out of like like you would have in your like no from a nineteen fifties kitchen, right? Yeah. A wicker, a wicker, broom. yeah, broom. Um, Ty, what what's the what's the most memorable curling? Oh man, great memories. Uh, I'll do a few. A great. Oh. I have good memories of, um, was that Stevens Point? Or where was that where, like, Minnesota team, like, John? Oh, like, John. Where, oh, Dreadlock John. Yeah, Dreadlock John. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, they, I mean, they were out that of... That was the the good old days of curling for oh us. Oh, my gosh. I remember we had that one bond spiel where I trimmed his hair. Oh, not, you didn't trim it. <laughs> cut you, his dreads. You, you cut his dreads off. And, like, this... <laughs> Dreadlock John, oh, what was his? He, and he was like an engineer too. Yeah. Uh huh. And and so this guy had like super long dreadlocks and had them for every since high school because this his 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 high he told us his high school principal like uh, said if you ever cut your dreadlocks like send me one and and for some reason like when he met you he was like this is and it was wasn't it your first time meeting him. Uh yeah, I think so. And he was like, "Oh, this is the man. Yep, that will cut my somehow. Dress. I earned his trust. And <laughs> <laughs> I th- I think you're a naturally people meet you, Ty, and they're like, "Oh, I trust this guy. Cool. Do, I appreciate do you, that. Do you go after? Do you go after that? Like you like um, want to be a? Oh, well, obviously people want to be a trustful person, but like, um, I think I just like to be genuine or authentic. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't seek to earn <laughs> to, to that earn, trust or to do those things and active but. actively earning as many people's trust as possible right um so, so that was a good that was a fun memory yeah i think we did it by the pool yes we did and you just shaved off it cut off his dreadlocks yeah shout out to john <laughs> shout out to john and we had the do you remember the the go fusker oh yeah oh yeah so it was you know, those annual trophies that yep are done uh, like the pieces of broken chair or something is one of them where the Wisconsin, Minnesota and football play for the, right. the ax or something. 
the corn huskers and the golden gophers a beautiful golden red cardigan it was a red cardigan i think it was it was half and half we got half two and half, cardigans yeah. and someone sewed it together beautiful it, it was the gopher husker go fusker go fusker cardigan and I, I believe Minnesota still has it to this day. Yeah, they kind of kicked our ass. Yeah, we actually we got we got decent after we. I mean, we're we're considered old timers in our college curling community. And hey, we went to nationals. We went to nationals and we competed well. We were always Nebraska always competed well, um, but uh, we are not Minnesota or Wisconsin. Yeah, the closer you get to Canada, the better you are at curling. Yeah, that's a linear relationship. Yep. <laughs> Pretty sure. Might be uh, exponential, actually. <laughs> as soon as you're in, it's just off to the races. Singularity. <laughs> so uh, that was a good memory. Do you, do you ever think about like the best shot you've ever made? I have a few where... <laughs> I think I have a few where I was like really thrilled about it. I think I remember some from you. I think there was one that you hit at some bonspiel when you're skipping mm. that was mm. beautiful. I mean, even this last bonspiel, you had some tight shots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it was, fe- I was impressed. Thank you. No, and you're you're a great curler too. Uh, probably the best shot I've ever seen was Allie when we were playing Yale. Oh, and this was at nationals. Was this nationals our senior year? Yes. Yeah. And, and this is this is the one where this has an interesting story behind it because you were at this point you were vice skipping. Uh huh. And I was originally the vice. I thought oh, yep. that's an interesting story, actually. <laughs> that like, I just remember that shot. Like we were sitting really good and then Yale threw another stone and like we were out of it. And then somehow it came up like we had hammer. So we had the mm-hmm. last stone and like we weren't sitting. We had to sneak it in just oh, to get a yeah. point or to win, win the game, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And Allie just did a perfect, perfect shot beautiful draw and took it right took it right in so, and, and it was the, like we won i think we won off that shot off and i that was like shot. yeah oh, yeah oh my gosh and it's just like well i'll say no no a good skip is not not worth anything without uh a good lead i'll, I'll say that shout out to all my leads that's right um and uh oh they they feel so good there's like there's few feelings that like when you hit a perfect shot to win a game um, but that, that situation, I remember, I always like, it, it's kind of funny and, but I honestly think it was like one of my proudest, oh, I don't want to say sports moments cause I'm not much of an athlete. Um, hey, you're a collegiate athlete. Yeah. 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 And, but like I went in and that, that tournament, we went to nationals that year and I had, I was known to be kind of, um, I would shake the boat. I, I was always a boat shaker. And, and so I could, I, I would ruffle feathers. I would just like, if someone said this, I would always push them on it. And I'd be like, make sure that that's what they actually believe. Or like they thought this through. I don't think it's a great characteristic. I think it can be taken too far. And I think at the time I wasn't mature enough to know when it's too far or when to stop. And, and Allie, Allie definitely called me out on it, which is good a lot of the times. And some of the times I was like, you're just calling me out on it. Cause you know, you're ready for me. Um, and at that tournament we go up to, na- we go into nationals and 
we had a we had a good team. I, I usually get, between me and you, Ty, like I I don't think there's much like skill difference. Um, but I I think I had maybe more more curling experience and maybe skipping, and so I played vice skip. Yep. And so it was Ali. Ali had a wealth of experience. She's a very right. very good curler. And, but like we could tell after the first game, I remember it was being called and we just had very different because the vice skip and the skip have to consult on like what's going on. Cause like that's, that's the skip looks to their vice to like, Hey, if they're like ever questioning. So the, the vice is like the dictator of the team that what they yep. say, you just, you should listen to. Yep, that's right. And the vice is calling the shot for the skip for the skip too. And so you got to be in agreement because if the skips can throw the last shots and their vice like thinks they should be different and they move their broom on the line, it's like you can't have a productive team. And so like you need to have a good one communication and like, and then like to work together. And, and as far as the strategy goes, and I remember me and Allie were like in disagreement on, on the strategy of the game. And I like, I was, I, I was like maybe more aggressive and she was like, Oh no, we need to like back off. And, and we were not getting along. And then after that game and like, there's just no, and not like, I don't think me or Allie were one of us was right or wrong, but we were just not on the same page. And like, after that game, I was like, I shouldn't be the vice. And I was yeah. like, and I talked to you <laughs> And I was like, Ty, you got to, you got to vice just for the good of this team. Right. For the betterment of the, the whole team. The team. And I was like, the more conservative vice. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, yeah, it was, it was definitely, that was the way to go. And you're, you, you're a very, you get along with a lot of different people. That's an interesting question. I, I would love to talk more about curling, but I do have an interesting, like a question for you. Yeah, shoot. Um, do you, do you have many personalities that do you meet many people where you're like, I don't get along with this person or I don't want to hang out with this person? Um, not really. Um, for the most part, I'm friendly with everyone and I can be friends with everyone. There are some personalities that I don't vibe with as much. I'm a very like easygoing yeah, yeah. person. And um, I guess maybe if someone's more extremely a type or like, concerned about how chill i am then it becomes a problem they're, they're concerned with how chill you are yeah what do you mean by that um just like if someone is very planned out and they are concerned with how not planned out i am oh like they they have a problem like they think like if you're like a part of this person like maybe this person's team or something on yeah a project. specifically like traveling like I'm a very go with the flow, yes, type of guy. Which is, I think, the best kind of guy to have on a trip. Oh, awesome! Yeah, some people are yes are concerned about where they're gonna sleep and all this good stuff. Yep, yep, yep. and that could be a bit of problem. But really, I don't have problems with really anyone <laughs> because because like, you're fine if like that person mm-hmm. wants to plan it. You're like, oh no, go yeah, for it, dude, for sure. Yeah, yeah. So I would say I get along with everyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I can't imagine you not getting along with many people um it, yeah it's a good trait like because then like you, you get to meet a lot of people and, and yeah going through life it's a lot easier yeah for sure i mean like so i start this new job on monday and so far it's been pretty laid back like i sort of have my agenda for monday but like the hr person i've been working with is out next week 
Mm-hmm. So it's just, um, he's like, well, your badge and all your stuff is on your desk, but, uh, you'll have to like get through security or like, just like when you get there, tell them who you are and then somebody will take you to your desk. And I feel like that would be concerning to a lot of people, but I'm just like, all right, cool. I'll just cool. show up, figure it out. Somebody will find me. And yeah. I hadn't, I haven't even toured this place yet. I did all my interviews online. Mm. Like, like I know what it's about and I've seen pictures, but what's your, what can you tell me a little bit about the company and what you're going to yeah, do? So hexagon, do you know about hexagon? I didn't call it Humphrey work there. Yeah. So that's kind of the connection that got okay. me involved. You still talk this. to Colin? Uh, yeah. So he actually just left his job, which oh. created an opening. Oh, no kidding. That he let me know about. Oh, so that's cool. how I found out of this. So yeah, shout out to Colin. Thanks, Colin. Throwing it back to Calculus 1. <laughs> Calc-, Calc 1, 2012. Um, so they develop high-pressure carbon fiber tanks. So okay. they're tier four, which means that it's all carbon fiber. So they're really light, high-pressure tanks for uh, transporting hydrogen or like uh, gases that can't be compressed down to liquid. Oh, So they do compress uh, gas as well. Um, but I think like their real, the real future is in hydrogen. So it's basically how high can we compress this gas so we can get more energy? Yes. Yeah. And I vibe with that because hydrogen is, um, more sustainable than the fuels that we have now. And when you burn hydrogen, you get water vapor. Yeah. So, okay. And And so we could theoretically create a system that's sustainable off of hydrogen yes and so i may i have a good i have a question for you because i know mm-hmm. your i know your background in energy science and sustainability right. and so i just i was this thought occurred to me the other day because i was like i was i do i do a decent not a decent amount our company does work with electric electrification of because cool. we're, we're helping we're helping a couple states out with their uh, part of the infrastructure bill we're putting together, uh, they had these states have to have a electrification like uh, charging station plan, mm-hmm. and we're helping a couple states do those. Yeah, and, and it's a pretty neat project. Um, and then it made me think like back to like I feel like it was like a decade ago or more. Like everyone was the talk of the town was like hydrogen vehicles. Yeah, and I guess my question is, what happened? Are they are they still trying to be developed or? What's um, going on? They are. Uh, it's just really hard to transport hydrogen. Like you can't to get the amount of energy a get like a whole gas tank has in a car. You can't do that with hydrogen. Okay. You would have to compress it really high or have a really big volume to get the same fuel range. Oh, interesting. Um, hydrogen is much better if we could just transport it, but we can't easily. So I kind of think we just didn't realize that for like consumer cars, but now public transportation, things like that, I think that'll be where we start seeing. You see the buses sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen buses around that are like hydrogen. A lot of natural gas. Natural. Oh, oh, that's natural gas. Yeah. Is that what like uh, a lot of the like I see forklifts and like yeah mm-hmm. those are natural gas as yep. well okay which I think natural gas when you compress it it becomes a liquid so like your yeah. like propane tank yeah you can store a lot of energy yeah. in there yeah and that's that's an interesting 
I I was watching. I don't I don't know if you're if you're a YouTube video watcher, but once in a while I'll go down like binges of like informationally YouTube like oh, yeah. wormholes and For sure. and I was like the, with the stuff going on in Ukraine, and they're talking about like uh like the, a big piece of it is like Europe's dependence on Russian oil. They get forty percent right. of their natural gas from there. And so I think the U.S., I think Biden said that the U.S. will like service about one third of that current 40 percent dependency. They'll like try to cover that. Hmm. And 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 this video is discussing these giant like how do you get natural gas to Europe? Essentially, is that what the video is about? Like a big barge tanker. Exactly. Yeah. And it was this like really weird looking barge. It was like had this giant tank on it, like the size of a couple soccer yeah. fields uh-huh. and in these facilities that like they're talking about there's like only a couple of them in the country right now but we're planning to build like 14 more that like help compress natural gas to liquid form and get them on these ships and like we won't be able to like those facilities haven't even started construction and we're hoping to fulfill this like one-third promise by like 2025 and it seems like a big problem and like that yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's, and energy is obviously, you know, better. It's such yeah. an interesting. Well, it's something I'm very fascinated with. And that's kind of the biggest thing I'm excited about with this job is it's in the energy sector. Yeah. Whereas most of my engineering has been in agriculture. And so this is like kind of my passion or it lines up with my vision better. Uh, the hex or the vision that hexagon has is clean air everywhere. Oh, interesting. So, so that's like very simple and I can get behind that. And so it kind of seems like whatever they, we develop is directed towards that. And it's yeah. a vision that I get behind. Oh, you're going to make a lot of good connections just being in that sure. sector. Yeah. And then being able to. And I'm going to learn a lot. Oh, you're going to learn a ton. I mean, whenever you start a new job and definitely a new field. Um. So where, who do they provide their, their, their. So it's mostly transportation. So they do like, they make a trailer that has like four really large hydrogen tanks on it. Okay. And they're calling it their like pipeline or something. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's basically how they transport that. Um, They've also done work with like SpaceX and NASA for like tanks, hydrogen tanks. I don't. What component? Like the actual tank itself. So they like make for the tier four. Yeah. So they make tier four tanks, which means that it's super light, very strong. Okay. And I kind of, I don't know the history behind that. And I don't know if that's something that they want to keep doing. Oh, but it, I hope that is the case. Cause I want to get hooked up with SpaceX. Yeah. yeah. Well, Elon's been making, do you, you're, are you a, I don't, I don't want to say if someone's an Elon fan or not. It's, it's, it's an interesting question to be a fan of a, another person. Uh, for sure. But but I think do you follow Elon Musk? I do. I my opinion might not be the most popular, but I like everything that he does. <laughs> and I think I believe in him and his vision. Yeah. I I think I like what he's doing. I think overall what he's doing has been Overall, I I usually I think I agree with most things he says. It's 
Except I don't know. His, his Bitcoin stuff on the Dogecoin things. The Dogecoin things. Like he he can be very he like trolls himself for sure, which is very it's kind of a funny idea. I just think that it's interesting. I actually think he is like an engineer scientist first, and then it just yes. happened that like he became a billionaire. Yes, it's like I think his intentions are good. He just doesn't understand the magnitude of his power. Yeah. I, I don't know. I think he and does cool. understand it. And yeah, perhaps he does. But he doesn't yeah, care. No, like yeah. he doesn't, yeah, he didn't change his right. behavior because of it. He like, it's just, he nerds out on science. Yep. He likes making jokes and he has 80, 90 million followers on Twitter, which he just bought Twitter. Right. <laughs> so he has all the followers now. All the, yeah. He, everyone follows him. Um, How he, do you feel about that Twitter buy? Um, Are you on Twitter? I'm not on Twitter. I've never had Twitter. I've never... I'm, I'm not either, but I think I want to be. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I told, I told Madeline the other day, I was like, I have like uh, slightly, like I almost want to get on Twitter a bit more. Uh, I like essentially have no social media presence. Um, and That's good. I like that. Yeah, you can be a lot more productive without it. Um, but the Twitter buy overall, me being not a user, but um, he, he, his reasoning... Um, if I remember right, is like he sees it as in the modern world, the modern technology world, he sees it as like, this is the new town square. Right. right. And he was afraid of like a lot of the censorship that was happening and the, like the banning and like, not like he thinks it should be like lean, leaning towards more free speech. Like when things are questionable, which I, I generally, I agree with. Like, I don't think you should do things that are illegal, like with your speech, with like inciting violence. Um, but like when like someone has an idea that's questionable, cause like, I mean, there's so many things like that. Like there's so many things yeah. we don't know. And like people pretend they do know. And, and like, I mean, you just have like the, the thing of the, like the lab leak theory, for example, like that was totally silenced for a while. And like, and he was like, no, this is like, this is totally a, a viable idea. And like, we just silenced it. And so the only problem I have, so like overall, I think it's probably a good, but the only thing I talk about this, I like, I think about this a lot with like, um, other things that I, I just get worried about. Like, and I, I've nothing to like, I don't know Elon Musk at all. But I get worried when one person has a lot of control. For sure. And so, like, that's the thing, like, right, Elon Musk probably has really good intentions, but, like, he's still just one person in control of this company. Yeah, it's only one, like, degree away from Exactly. Something. He could change his mind, and he's like, no, I actually don't want anything to be talked about about this subject. Yep. Yep. And pretty soon you're not talking about how, I don't know. Yeah, I'm a big proponent of free speech and... um making it just wild and open wild and open yeah like i don't like the bad parts of society and but i kind of think that it'll figure itself out yeah yeah i, I don't think any any person should be in charge of what other people say i just hope that people say the right things yeah or appropriate things but um i like decentralized structure yeah absolutely and it's and it needs, yeah. And when you have, I mean, it's such a powerful tool and like it just, well, I don't know. It's becoming less and less powerful. I think, um, I could be wrong, but like, I feel like people are, 
like we have mainstream media that like we talk about a lot, like the CNN, Fox News, um, that uh, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's it's I, I don't have a good gauge on it because I'm so disengaged with like social media in general. I keep up with the news, but usually I just like I follow a couple couple things, couple like I'm more so like check in with individuals and a couple news sources to get like the the news and what's going on and like to see where I sit on things um or like to get like different views um but like it seems like people are like for example like Joe Rogan is an interesting case where he's one individual that has just a essentially what is a talk show. It's just a long form, a long form podcast. Right. And he, he has like 10 times the viewers of like Fox news or CNN. Yeah. And, and so like when we say mainstream media, like what does that mean anymore? What does that mean anymore? Right. Yeah, exactly. I mean like you have probably content creators like across so many different platforms, but like I think of, I listen to a lot of podcasts and like, I think just podcasts in general, like they're way more influential probably than like, like CNN or Fox news. But like, I mean, I think those Fox news and CNN and these things are staying as influential as they are because they're still influential with the couple generations above us, which essentially maybe 45 and above. And that's where the majority of the wealth is. And so, and wealth usually means where power is contained. So, but everything is, becoming more decentralized like kind of going back to spotify like the power is now in the Mm. like Mm -hmm. originators of the content Mm -hmm. and as long as they can get it out then it can reach everyone i definitely think creatively creatively things are becoming more decentralized you don't have to have a network behind you to create something you don't have as many gatekeepers like i bet if you're a musician you had to like you had to get a like a deal with like like, uh, what would you call that? Like RCA. A, like RCA. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. With those, what are they called? Publishing agencies? Labels. Labels. Yeah. Labels. There you go. And, uh, like now you, you just release your stuff and like, yeah, yep. you, you, you like message it out to the world. Hey, check this out. Maybe it gets retweeted a couple of times. That's right. So, uh, a portion of this podcast, this is called modern folk, which is a double entendre for modern people and modern folk music. So, Every episode, I I release a piece of music or something that my guest has worked on. Or, like, in New Orleans, I just went and recorded some street performers. So, like, the outro music for every episode is something involved with people that I know. Okay. So, that's, like, a portion of it. Yeah. So, there's been some music that I've worked on that has been released throughout here. And I'm using it as a way... Uh, to release it in a not as important, like, like mm-hmm. I'm not releasing an album. I'm just like releasing music at the end of the podcast. And yeah. so it doesn't have to be as polished. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. it's been like a, a fun way for me to release some music. Uh, do you, do you regularly produce music still? Yeah. So, and that's kind of been a goal of mine every episode to just record something. So the music that I'm re- releasing at the end of this episode Unless you have a oh, piece man. of music. Man, do I. Um, um, so I had yesterday, I told myself I'm going to give myself an hour and I'm just going to record whatever comes to mind. So I kind of put t- together this like orchestral piece. 
Okay. Um, and if you want to listen to it, uh, we can do a live listen while I put it onto the podcast. Do it. Let's do it. Yeah. All right. So that'll be at the end of this podcast. Uh, it's kind of a silly piece of music, but eh. Do you it's something so? Do you do you? Uh, I know it's called the Modern Folk Podcast, and yeah. so uh, would you say folk music is then your favorite genre? It is. Um, it definitely is. I've been like using it in kind of a comedic sense. Yeah. So I say that pretty much everything is folk music. Yeah. Folk music as in the music of the people, which is what That's folk great. music yeah. is. But like if I hear EDM or like jazz, I'll be like, that's folk music. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's just whatever people make. So my definition of folk music is kind of very broad, but definitely like acoustic Americana indie. Mm-hmm. That's, that's my mm-hmm. go-to genre. And I, I do want to release an album called modern folk which is some some of the songs released at the end of the podcast but in more of a like musical yeah album do you have you ever thought about dropping the in podcast out of the the name of the the modern folk uh, I guess? it is so if you check on spotify it's just modern folk podcast oh okay yeah yeah i was i thought about that when you released it. i was like oh yep. Yeah, the artwork is different too. So now it just says modern folk. Oh, see, I really like that picture. Yeah. Did you take that one? I did. Driving? Yep. While I was going to work, it was beautiful. Ranky, yeah, yeah. Um, is there is there any genre of music that you're like, mm, I wish I don't I don't like this. Uh, not specifically. Like not even like pop, screamo. Pop country is my pop least country. favorite. Just because sometimes I question the like genuineness behind it Mm, mm -hmm. um there are some country music like current country that i like um but there's a lot of like just whatever you listen to on the radio pop country some of that is just repetitive and repulsive yeah What, what do you think of like i don't know like i i have a rough time thinking is it finding the goodness in like like screamo music and like really sure. like negative music where it's like I don't know I don't know like I understand yeah. like it takes a talent to make this but I'm like should you be I get your concern I kind of think that there's like there's a sense of like comedy in every piece of music and so like metal is like I know it's intense but I kind of think it's like just to like impress or just to show that we can do this i don't Mm -hmm. think like the people that make it are like inherently demonic or whatever it's just some people bite heads off bats in here that's true i have heard of that (laughs) um so i appreciate music and I, i i like to think of music as like how it would be in a live space uh huh and like i might not go crazy at one of these concerts but it would be a spectacle for me oh like i would i would want to be there i'd like to see it yeah yeah maybe i wouldn't like mosh with everyone there's there's not many concerts you would turn down like if someone gave you a ticket yeah like absolutely oh i would go check that out have you so i got a I got a question have you do you know outlandia yeah Uh uh-huh down in by plattsmith uh-huh i'm I'm doing a, a traffic study for that oh sweet so for the, the festival yeah for the festival <laughs> oh cool and uh um and yeah they wanted to look at um 
how traffic exits the the vent because uh-huh. they're they're increasing their capacity i believe um and and I, I told my boss like we should get we should get free tickets to this and you should yeah i know i was like man this is this is definitely like something i mean obviously like there's definitely something to like in my profession you want to like see the actual field results of like what you're going to be recommending experience it for yourself yeah exactly and have you seen the lineup for this year uh i don't recall it but i i think i have seen it it's the i think the national and yeah Wilco. yeah exactly yeah yep. it's a no, great I have, i'm so i'm going friday night to see the national oh you I are have a wedding it's friday Saturday. night i didn't see the which night it was i was just telling madeline we need to go yeah no i um, totally want to see that oh i want to see if the national's coming to the area yep. i'm gonna go see him I, I, yeah, I'm a big fan of the national Madeline always says like, there's, there's, if you want to get depressed, that's what you, you listen to, but it's a good, they're a good great band. Yeah. I think one of, they did a cover of the boxer that I, I really love. Yeah. Um, so it's like pouring gasoline on a fire. Um, wait, what's pouring gasoline on a fire? like i don't know when you're sad and you're like listening to sad oh music, yeah, yeah. Like, you'll stay sad there's no coming out of it when you listen to the national i want to be sad so i'm gonna listen to this yeah like he has like it's like he only has one 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 tone like he can't yeah but like, i love the national yeah they're great i just what do you what do you do at a concert do you just stand there and listen is um, there is there a mosh pit at those types of concerts yeah i don't know about that there's some good energy in those well, there's definitely, I I think good energy, but like, like Mal and I went to the killers a couple of years ago oh, and like yeah. the energy is just like, like, I think it's one of the best concerts you could For go sure. to. And we were, we were right, right in the pit up front. And, but like, imagine like if you can buy pit tickets to the national, the, what do you, how do you, <laughs> you're just standing there. I would think like, I mean, yeah. it's the music that I like listen to when I'm like, cooking or like just chilling you know i don't know right. i always think it's weird like like so you went to you've been to ch you've been to your plenty what's what's your favorite venue and i guess what's maybe what would you consider like the best kind of venue and the worst kind of venue because i never like going to like the chi health center for example i don't like being in stadium seating yeah it's it's really tough for me to watch a band in that kind of environment i'm with you so like pinewood bowl Oh you're, yeah, you're in nature. You're out there experiencing it. That's that's number one. Oh, and it's such a good venue for like folk music. Oh yeah, so venues like that where you're outside and like in nature. So I've been to like festivals too. Yes, and like Bonnaroo is amazing. That's in Tennessee, right? Yeah, yeah. Because you're just out in a field and you're just outside, just huge ass like stage and thousands of people yeah um i don't vibe as much with like the stadium shows and like i've been to like td ameritrade uh watching like def leopard poison oh interesting <laughs> and like, are you like sitting in the baseball seats yeah and it's all seating and yeah, it's that's like weird that's weird and it's just so like loud and constricted i d- i like it's neat. I enjoy music, so I'll never like. It's knock hard it, to, but it's hard to watch. Like, unless you're like listening to folk music, it's hard to listen to music sitting down. I feel like. Yeah, for sure. Like, so I saw the Head and the Heart at Bonnaroo, and that was like <sighs> one of my favorite. It was right at sunset, 
And, oh yeah. And people were just out on blankets yeah. and, uh, I mean, there's a lot of people, but it wasn't, it didn't feel, yeah. it felt like everyone was just out hanging out. Yeah. That's like, uh, you remember down in Lincoln, they would have jazz, is it jazz on the Jazz in June? Jazz in June. Yeah. That's what it's called. Yeah. Yep. And same that, feel. Same feel. I love that. It's so good. Mm-hmm. And, uh, okay. So I got a question for you. So I know Matt, Madeline's from Colorado and I think she's been to Red Rocks a couple of times and like uh-huh. Red Rocks is one of those, uh, venues that like artists go after like i remember mumford, mumford and sons so mumford and sons, i saw mumford and sons at uh down at pinewood bowl and and they also recorded one of their albums live at red rocks and i and it's like a point of pride i think for artists to play at red rocks um in that same sense are there particular venues that you have gone to that you're like oh that was a good one i'm so happy i made it to that one and then what are other venues that you want to make it to Definitely Red Rocks. So, have you ever been to a Red Rocks concert? Never a show. I've never. been there. Have we? I think maybe we went together. Uh, I've for sure been there and just like walked. Yeah, I walked the there. stairs too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's beautiful. There's like people doing yoga there, like twenty four seven. I absolutely want to go to a show there. Uh, Halsey is going to be there this year, and I kind of wanted to like oh, okay. make it out there for that. But definitely at some point, do yeah. that. Um. And then just like Pinewood Bowl, I mean, that's got great memories. I'll continue to go shows any, there. Any other ones that you're like, oh, I'll make the drive. I want to go see, like, um, doesn't matter so much the band, as long as it's a good one, if I want to be at that venue. Um, None that are coming to my mind right now, but I know there are special yeah. ones out there. I know, like, Red Rocks is like, just, it's like just so popular. As far as like, because all indoor venues are mainly yeah. the same. Um, right. The only, like, I think of some, I've always wanted, Madeline and I, I have a lot of family in Wisconsin, so we go to Summerfest quite a bit, and I've always wanted to make the trip down to Lollapalooza. Yeah. And I hear so, that. I've, I've never been to Lollapalooza, but I was there during Lollapalooza, and... Oh, like, you didn't get tickets inside. Yeah, and I didn't realize what was going on, and we did the Willis Tower. Oh, yeah, yeah, the, the Sears Tower, yeah, Willis yeah. Tower, yeah, yeah. And we were on the top and I just remember looking over and Millennium Park is like where it's, it yep, happens yep, at. Yep. And I just remember seeing thousands of people and I was like, what's going on? And then someone was like, oh, Lollapalooza is going on. And uh, the year that I was there, it was Jack White and Sugaros, which is like an Icelandic rock band. But like, okay. I really wanted to see them. I didn't end up going, but it looked really cool. Oh yeah. I hear it's awesome. My only thing against like Coachella and Lollapalooza is they're like city festivals. So like mm-hmm. you're in a city, it's over, then you go back to your place. Um, oh, like camping festivals. Camping festivals. Those are that's kind of like what I enjoy more. Oh, so like Bonnaroo, you go, you're there. Like you, there's nowhere else you can go. So there's music, and if you want, there's music all night. Uh, mm-hmm. you don't have to, you just go back and camp, but there's still like the sense of community. Like we all came out here for this festival, we're camping. Yeah. And then like, yeah, it's all within walking distance and that's like, you yeah. don't have to worry about anything. Yeah. You're, you're there. Are you going to camp at Outlandia? I probably can't just because I have a wedding that Saturday, Oh shoot! but I want shoot. to, I have friends who are camping the whole weekend. I I would like to, but we'll have we'll have a newborn baby by then, so I don't know yeah, if we'll be exciting. camping. Yeah, it's very exciting. Um, 
Could I actually, could we take a break? I, just, I gotta go use the restroom. Absolutely. Okay. We'll take a little pee break. This, uh, this break is brought to you by Bowtie Audio. Bowtie Audio. We have these. Are we, are we recording again? I just started it, but <laughs> I, can, I can cut this out. No, no, it's good. Um, we have these friends that, um, have, they, they, they play like the credit card game. They, oh yeah. Credit card roulette. I is that what, what's kind of credit roulette? <laughs> That's where you, you all eat together and then someone pulls the card to pay for it. Oh no, that would be that. I've never heard of that. Oh okay, I should put that out there. You but should do that. I, what's oh, the man. credit card game for you? Okay, so no, it's like uh, the points. Like they. Oh yeah, I got gotcha. you. Okay. They they play. So he's very like he's got probably twenty plus credit gotcha. cards, and yeah. and they they're huge travelers and. um and they have they have their third kid on the way, and they they travel like crazy, and and so like and he gets all these trips because he gets all these points for the credit cards, and he certainly had he's had enough of an influence. <laughs> like I have like seven or eight credit cards that like we we do a lot of our we do a ton of trips every year, and it helps pay for like either the flying or the hotels or the gotcha. travel whatever it might be, and um. And anyway, but like in like he, it's it's really interesting when you find like he like has really actually inspired us to like like oh yeah, it's like when you see someone living kind of the life like you've envisioned yourself living in such a way, but like you haven't seen it yet, and you're like oh no I can do this, and then you meet the person that's doing it, it's like oh yeah, because like and they they were f- like flying everywhere with their kids, and that's just like Madeline and I have like uh, she's doing like early july but we have, we're going to like texas we're going to new orleans we're going to um the florida keys we're going to colorado a couple times to go skiing or we got all these trips planned and like I, th- I think most people would tell us we're crazy with a with a newborn doing all this stuff really yeah Ernest will learn it'll be fun you'll figure yeah. it out oh we will we're back here on the podcast with Timothy Adams. We're talking about whatever. <laughs> whatever. Yeah. Whatever. Um, uh, I'm cashing up with Tim. I, um, I'm interested in all the things that he's up to. Um, Tim and I are both uh, poultry connoisseurs, poultry owners. Poultry owners, yeah. Poultry so, farmers, uh, poultry Yeah, raisers? we're bird people. Bird people. Uh, tell me about your flock and um, why so, you choose to have chickens in the city of Omaha. This is a, this is a, oh yeah, good good question. Um, so it all started with I love talking about my wife and um, with Madeline insisting that we need to get chickens. Um, she it's was a good move. Yeah, yeah, it's sustainability, and we get a we get a bring our our we not only have a vegetable garden but now we get to bring in like our eggs into we raise them right here on the little adam's plot that we got and so we bought a house a couple years ago and we immediately mounted like we need to get chickens it was like before we even like got our couch in the door it's like oh we got to order some chicks and so we ordered six of them and in the city of omaha you can get I don't know, as many as you want, as long as you have enough space for them. And it's so funny when they come out, you have to get a permit and they, they come out and this guy like came out to like, and we had already bought the chicks. They inspect your area. Yeah. They inspect your area. So I built the, I built the coop for them 
And and this this and Madeline had ordered. She like I said we can get like two, because we we live in the middle of Omaha and we're two people, two chickens. That makes sense. Like I don't want it to be one. They gotta have a friend. Um, but Madeline like convinces me. No, let's do three. And then all of a sudden, Madeline like informs me. Oh, the minimum order from Murray's was Murray's, six, yeah. six chickens, and I was like, it's a good what? amount. What like, can we like pay for just three? And like, no, I already ordered six. And I'm like, okay, I guess we're getting six chickens. And so we, you got to order them, and they and she got like six different breeds too. So like, we had oh, to wait yeah. months for them to like coordinate i guess that they're all chicks at the same time and anyway and so we have these chicks in our house and i had just built the coop that you can see out the window right there Beautiful. um yeah it's it's actually overbuilt <laughs> it's massive but as as far as height goes and um and this inspector comes out and he looks at my coop and he like he like measures it and like, and I, and I had already looked up online. There's like this standard measurement that like each chicken needs about like, I don't know, three square feet like of a coop to like live. And like, he literally measures it and says, this coop is only good for four chickens. And I'm like, and I'm like, how do you figure? And, and he's like, well, you got to change. And he puts his hands out in like, in like about like a two foot span. And he's like, well, you, and he like shows me in the coop that, well, you got one chicken here. And then he moves his hands around the coop and like, and one uh, chicken here, as if like these chickens are going to perfectly space themselves around this coop. Right. And in like, and like, yeah, it just like the fifth and sixth chicken will never fit. And like, it's like, it's like a six by three space. It's like 18 square feet. And I'm like, and I'll have you now that I have chickens, they sleep right next to each other. They, they have to sleep next to each other. They have to. Yeah. They sleep on a bar. They literally only use like four square feet of my 18 that I built them. And, and so I said like, what if I built a second? Like, what if I built a loft? I told him I would just like put in a plank to add like literally like an extra nine square feet. And he's like, okay, I'll approve you for six. Um, anyway, and so we, we got six chickens. Um, their names are were and are uh, Virginia, Pepper, Ginger, Alfie, Pappy, and Vanilla. Wow, that's all six. That's all six. And so uh, a bit of tragedy hit our coop. Oh, no. Yeah. It, it was So it was during the, the COVID during the vid uh madeline was working from home i was back in the office by this time though and i get a i get a call um oh, from madeline and we hate these calls oh yeah oh yeah you don't want to you don't want to get a call like this and and she is hysterical and i'm like what's like settle down so then and i'm like deadly scared i'm like oh my gosh what happened and and she's like tim you need to come home something's happened to ginger and i'm like and i'm like uh, and then like immediate relief goes through me because i'm like i thought something happened to her or like how could you do that did she get an accident but then it was just ginger not just ginger not like justing ginger but like i was like okay it's the chicken and and so i'm like uh and she informs me and she's like tim there's a dog that broke into our coop oh, no. and this, this lady's dog she was on a walk and da, 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 and i was like we'll get her information and then 
I was like, I'll, I'll come home. And so I started packing myself at work and because I was just like, I got to go see what's going on and like help Madeline out. And, and I started driving home and I'm like kind of getting angrier. And I'm like, someone's dog got into our coop. Like this is like, and they, they're I'm already guessing Ginger's like dead. And, and I'm like, they should have to pay for this. I like, I get kind of almost angry. Sure. Yeah. And, uh, and then she, she, I, I call her and I'm like, Madeline, make sure you get this woman's information. And like, you know, like she should have to like make this right. You know, like not really, you know, and then Madeline like says to me like, and she's still like kind of, you know, emotional about it, but she's like, I, I don't, I don't think she can. Like, I don't think she's in the state to do that. And like, what do you mean? Make sure you get her information. And anyway, and so I, I get home and I assess the situation and Madeline's got Ginger cuddled up in a blanket or a towel and Ginger's like still alive, not really with it. And I see, I see how the dog got into our coop. It like, I had, I had stapled all this, um, uh, gauge wiring chicken wire chicken wire well it was a little stronger than chicken wire it's um it's some other type chicken wire is actually for the listeners don't use chicken wire to protect your chickens because like a lot of different animals can get past that because it's very thin uh-huh. um but you should get a little stronger even want to protect your chickens. Yeah, yeah yeah something like that and anyway and uh the staples that i had originally put in it had been a, a season or two and so like they had the the wood had shrank during that time. And sure. so it wasn't as secure. And so it was like Ginger's blood is on my hands as the constructor. And so, so I carry that with me. And, uh, but anyway, and I, I eventually I have to, I'm like, Madeline, Ginger's not gonna, not gonna make it. And I'm like, I need to go give me Ginger. I go take her for a walk. Uh, oh my goodness. Yeah. And me and me and Ginger, Go on a walk and long story short, I, I buried Ginger under underneath the, the laying box and, and it's a greener patch of grass these days. Wow. Um, but, uh, but anyway, and so like, it's like, uh, and so I started like kind of fixing the, the coop and I reinforce it and eventually this gal comes walking up the street and immediately, like, and Madeline says, oh, that's the gal with the dog that got into the coop. And, like, it ended up, the story was, like, the dog got in the coop, and Madeline heard it from upstairs, came downstairs. And the gal, it was, like, this frailer, like, middle-aged woman, and she couldn't pull the dog out. So Madeline, like, was able to pull it out herself, and and the dog, and, like, the gal was, like, hysterical. And, like, and like about it and she's like it's all right are you hurt you know like this dog could have like pulled you through the wire anyway and now i see the gal for myself and she looks very disheveled and i am like i finally it clicked what madeline meant about like i don't think she's in a state to like you know make things right and i i told it and like and i was just angry at the time for someone killing one of our chickens and so and she asked like how's the chicken doing like the chicken make it because at the time ginger was alive when the dog attacked it and and matt and i look at my meal i'm thinking like Madeline, don't tell her the chicken's dead like just whatever you do don't tell her that because i could tell like she's like on the verge of tears of what her dog did and madeline says oh no ginger died you know like like sorry like nice like oh no ginger didn't make it and 
and immediately this woman just starts weeping and and she like curls oh, into a ball and like and she's crying and crying and i like i go up to her and i'm like no it's all right it's just a chicken like i'm glad you didn't get hurt like don't worry about it it's just a chicken like we paid like 250 for it you know right. and and um it's like I we calm her down and and as she's sniffling and she she she's calmed down and she says, "Can I make it right by you guys?" And I'm like, I don't want her to like pay us money at this point. Like I'm like, no, don't worry about it. It's just a chicken, like I said. And like she's like, no, no, no. I'm and she tells us she's an artist and and she's like, I recently had an art show and a couple of my pieces that I took home from it. Um, can I give you one of them? And Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's super nice. And immediately I'm like ready to like, do you know the immediate reaction when you're ready to like say no to like someone's hospitality when they're like, Oh, why don't you just sure. stay the night? Or like, uh-huh. you know, you take this and you're like, no, 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 it's all right. I'm like one of those guys that usually like says that and like, I think that was a mistake. And Madeline rightfully said, we would love that, you know? And it, cause like, it was like, an action for her to make right by like obviously what her dog did. And like, I told her I didn't mean it. Like it was all right, but like she is, is more healing. I think for her as well than like we get this gift from her. And so she goes to her house and she brings out this painting and it was already framed and everything. And actually it's, it's hanging up right there. You could, if you want to get up, you can go, you can't really see it from that angle. Oh, that? that, that painting right there. Of the gold. The, the gold frame yeah All it's right. it's in our living room and if you if you go around the corner tie you can see um you can see the paint and it's a little beautiful bit, yeah it's a, it's a picture of an like an old woman it's got like a torn canvas sort of look to it and and I, it's almost a little bit of a self-portrait and around the corner too we have right beside the, the painting we have a shadow box of ginger's oh, last for egg. ginger oh <laughs> it's a shrine yeah yeah it is and so we like when people come over they're like a little like it's like a little like neo-gothic i would say and um yeah and it's uh and they're like what an interesting painting and like it actually means quite a bit to us we, we call it ginger absolutely that's very deep <laughs> yeah it is it is it's a lot of meaning for that <laughs> yeah that's a you see and you you have you have many more chickens than us, and when we have so few, we name them and they gain personality. And so, like when yeah. one of them dies, it's. But like, do do you name your chickens? I do. Um, I do. Oh, wait, and they on, all they all of have. Them? Um, no, I. Yeah, so favorites. The ones that I have now, we have Richard, which Richard, he's a dick. He's not nice to my hands. Anywho, Richard, we have. Uh, Karen, who is my sitter, so she sits on all the eggs. Okay. Uh, we have Martha, um, Henrietta, of course. Yeah. She yeah. lays blue eggs. She's an Americana. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we have Esther. Esther has the. She's got a little limp to her. Um, she's a nice, nice uh, Australorp. I've had her for two and a half years. Um, and then we have Matt. And uh, Marin unfortunately didn't make it. Oh no! Uh, that what was happened? A couple years ago, I think the winter got her. Oh boy! Um, the Nebraska winters. Yeah, and then I have a lot of just generic birds. Bird number one, bird number two. 
Do you remember which one's number one and number two? Uh, not really. I know of them, but I haven't given them names yet. So I have thirteen in total, and uh, yeah, uh, yeah. I had a bit of a, a rat problem for a second. Oh, a rat problem, which is not good. Did they? Did they? The chick like in the chicken coop? Yeah, they were in the chicken coop. They were not a problem for a while. Like I would notice them. But I was like, all right, it's fine. Everybody's got to live. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. And then one day, they got Riley. The chickens or the rats? The rats got Riley. <laughs> oh, no. And Riley was, she was a black ostrilorp, and she was kind of small. Oh, they the name of the bird was Riley. Yeah. I think they got riled up, is what you're no, saying. No, they got the they bird got Riley. They got the bird Riley. <laughs> and I was not impressed at how that happened. And uh, I started. Uh, I w- I'm I'm waging war on the rats now. Oh yeah, and, you got to uh, be careful to not wait accidentally have collateral damage. I guess on your chickens. How do you how do you wage war on a rat? Right. Population? Well, um, not to get too violent on this, but um, <laughs> to I, spare uh, no detail, please. I shot several of them. Wait, with what? With a firearm? <laughs> wait, what? <laughs> with a twenty-two? <laughs> what? Like, and that was my method of from a distance. Nah, they were just in my in the coop. The, like, so you open up the coop, you I would see, see one, and I would wage war. And so you literally shot it. Yeah. How what was the distance from this rat? Five feet. Five feet. Did the Within. rat just sit there? And oh like, yeah. Didn't like he's like, oh, what's this new device? This guy's no, got. they did not notice. They didn't notice it at all. Um, something I'm not proud about. I poisoned them. Which yeah, I yeah. really don't know how I feel about that. I'm I'm trying to be like organic, I, I suppose. Yeah, because you don't like, want that don't, getting in. You don't want your chickens eating that. Absolutely, you don't want it getting around any of your vegetables. And I felt pretty bad about that whole experience because I I put poison out and they didn't mm-hmm. expect it and they ate it. The the rats. The rats. Well, I, isn't that the goal? That is absolutely the goal. But I don't know if you know how. It works. No, I don't. So it like coagulates their blood. And so like they eat it and then they like, I don't know if they suffer, but they definitely don't die instantly. So I would see like dazed rats just walking around and I knew that they were poisoned and they're going to die. And that didn't. You're quite the problem. It sounds like though. It hung kind of heavy on my (laughs) conscience. Do you, do you, Oh, uh, uh, do you do you ever think like have you ever tried vegetarian or vegan? Yeah, uh, I I've done vegetarian for a bit, and I kind of lean towards that. Other than yeah, um, so I actually don't buy meat from the stores anymore. Mm-hmm. It's only meat that I source or that I know of where it comes from. Unless okay. I'm eating out, then I'll eat whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I mostly eat beef at home from our farm. Yes, yes. And some chicken re- and deer. I remember the times at the Dudeplex where we had, Oh, yeah. How special. Remember Absolutely. the ingredients of how special? You bet. Some rice and beef. And particularly one pound of beef, two cups of rice. That's it. <laughs> that's, a, that's a heck of a ratio. Not many college students can afford that ratio unless you, you come from a... That's right. You have beef family. You have a beef family in the in the house. Yeah, so things are good now. I got the rat population under control. I don't see them as often. I do feel bad about that whole occurrence. Um, 
Yeah, yeah. If I were to describe more of what happened to Riley, I only use this as uh, like words against the rats. But they they killed her in a way that like they ate parts of her, like they like gutted mm. her like clean yeah. within one night, and I was not impressed with that. <laughs> <laughs> You're like uh, they I, the left they left the entire like all the meat to her. Oh, but none of the organs. Yeah, they oh. ate all of that in one night, and I was oh, like, no. "This can't happen." Yeah, ever. you're like, uh, you ever see that movie John Wick? No, so like they they kill his dog, and then like he yeah. like he like kills all these people because <laughs> that's me with these rats. Yeah, yeah, and I'm like, I I think of this movie, and I'm like, this guy's kind of messed up. Like he's like an attachment disorder. Don't dog. touch my girls. <laughs> don't, don't don't touch my dog. Um. Um, I, I understand it's, you get, I mean, these, these, cause you had a symbiotic relationship with these chickens. Like you fed them, took care of them. They laid eggs and you, you consumed the eggs. And, and so these are like, like they're living a happy life. Mm-hmm. They're and, my pets too. Yeah, exactly. And so like, I mean, when these rats are coming in and like, literally they killed your chicken. Um, see, I never thought about, we don't get rats here, but we, we've had mice around in our garage and around the chicken coop and a mouse got into the chicken coop. And actually I saw a dead mouse in there one day and I'm like, Oh, how did a dead mouse get in there? And there was only conclusion that the chickens killed it. Yeah. They will do that. Oh yeah. And then like by the next day it was picked clean. Like there was no more mouse. Yep. They'll eat anything like you like if we accidentally like crack an egg like while we're like handling it it's like we don't it doesn't go to waste it goes right back to the chickens they just they won't they won't touch an uncracked egg yep and but like as soon as like it's cracked they'll like eat the whole thing yeah I try not to like let my chickens like taste egg because oh, then really? they'll they can peck it themselves. Oh really? See, we give them we give them back eggs, all, egg shells all the time. It's good to give them the shells back. Yeah, for the calcium, calcium. Yeah, but if they ever associate it with like, hey, this yeah. is food, they'll peck their own eggs. We we had a neighbor that uh, they had one chicken just died of natural causes, and and he was they barely got any eggs. They like like when this chicken was alive, they they had like three chickens, and they like they would get like one egg like every like couple days and they're like what's going on here and then once this one chicken died they were getting two eggs a day and they he was like oh my gosh we had a cannibal on our hands <laughs> he was eating all the eggs or she was i should say um would you ever butcher any chickens for meat no no you, you can't do that I mean, you raise these guys and they, they're egg layer they wouldn't i tell people they people ask me that a lot and they wouldn't be good for it. It's not like I'm I'm not feeding these guys to like to to butcher. I mean they're and they're not scrawny by any means, but like yeah, they wouldn't be any good. Especially cuz I like I hope they die at a ripe old age. Absolutely. I agree with everything you're saying except for uh I have butchered some. Wait, be- really? Yeah. And I'm going to have to do some more because I hatch my own chicks. So when you hatch your own chicks, you get hens and you get roosters. And unfortunately, roosters are really mean. Yep. And they make your hen's life 
not enjoyable. So if you want egg production, you can't have too many roosters. Do you do you just have one rooster? I do right now for genetics, and I'm hatching more yeah. eggs this spring, so yeah. I'm gonna have more chicks. Oh. And half are gonna be roosters, half are gonna be hens. Yeah. And like I say, unfortunately. Like it's the circle of life and I will eat yeah, them. And yeah. Honestly, yeah. they're going to taste really good, but I, I hate to do it. No. Yeah. But it's like <clears throat> the, if you want to have chickens and if you want to have eggs, you have to. Yeah, like, absolutely. Be able to do that. It's just, yeah, it's part of it. And like, I, I honestly think like I've never been a vegetarian. Um, Madeline used to be a vegetarian when I first met her and, and so <laughs> I was one when I dated her, I guess. Uh, but, uh, it's, it's, we definitely, we orient, we, we eat meat, but like the idea of like living off the land and the animals and produce you're able to raise is very attractive to us. For sure. And, uh, I actually like recently we've been getting into, so my family hunted growing up and, I never got into it. I don't know. I don't know why. I just like, it wasn't, it was more of my brother and my dad did it. And I just had other interests, I guess. And now I've been like re-engaging in it. And I, I grew up around a family that I hunted. And so I know a lot about it, but I, I've never done a lot of it. And now I, I'm trying to get back into it. And, uh, because like ideally Mamela and I would, we would, we would hunt. And we would, all the food we would have for the majority would be from either, right? I mean, you get this too, that it's either from our garden or we know exactly where the source is. I got it. And so, cause we buy, we, we want to get away from a lot of the naturally like hormones and antibiotics. So like we, right. I, the major one for us is our, like when we ever, we buy dairy products and buy, um, beef we buy organic and and so we were just like well i i used to grow up on um on venison ground essentially ground venison and mm-hmm. we use it just like ground beef yep it, it tastes just as good yep and i'm like i don't want to say it's better but it's just different it's much more lean it's probably healthier oh yeah it's got way less fat in it and like it doesn't have any like you're not worried about anything that has in it unless that deer was like eating grass by chernobyl or something um yeah no it's it was really it's really good and and so like trying to get back into that and the hunting kind of thing so that because i i like meat i i don't see a problem would you ever go have you gone deer hunting um i've gone before i've never i've never shot a deer um but i'm planning i'm going this fall with my my brother and my father um and yeah, yeah, I'm I'm gonna go and hopefully I'll, ba- I'll bag some. Madeline's gone before. She has a she has a fellow med student that uh, has some land out in O'Neill. And, oh, nice! And so her and another gal, the three gals, went out on a hunt. And I don't think they got anything though. And uh, yeah, have uh, I told you about my experience? No, no. So uh, a year ago, last winter, I went deer hunting, and my goal was to just get some meat because I'm trying to live yeah. off the land. And so I went out and my goal was just to get meat. I wasn't trying to yeah. like get a buck or like a big buck or anything. And you, like you, you bought tags though. Yep, yep. 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 So I got a tag 
and uh, our family has some land down by a river, the Republican River. Okay. And so we, I went down there, and um, like my brother hunts, or he's been hunting through yeah. like through his whole life, my whole life, but I hadn't done much of it. And so I just kind of like asked him and he like pointed me in the right direction, but it was very much just, I went down to the river by myself and I just like sat there. I scoped out this place a day before and then I went and I sat, I sat out like all day. Where'd you sit? Where? Yeah. Where? So it was like on top of a hill looking down on, like I could see some like trees by the river. Okay. And I had this spot where I thought deer were going to come through like to my left. So, okay. um, I had a rifle and I had like this little stand and I like pointed up towards this area and I sat there all morning. I saw nothing. I came back that afternoon and I sat there all afternoon through the evening. And then like, I started seeing deer and okay, like, yeah. so I saw some from a distance they're coming in and like my heart started pumping. I was like, this is it. Like, I'm going to like, this is an opportunity. What's, what's the word for that? Uh, they call it something where you're like your pulse, your, right. your like heartbeat goes up. Uh, is it deer fever? No, I yeah. don't know. Buck fever. Buck fever. <laughs> um, but anyways, I saw these deer 300 yards away. Okay. Pretty far away. That's, that's far. Yeah. And like, I saw them in my sights and I was like, this is like it. I'm going to like take a shot here. And then I heard some rustling. And I looked to my left and there was this buck. So the wind was coming like towards me. So it was going oh, yeah, through yeah. me. So it was from... going from the south. Yeah. So he couldn't smell you. Yeah. He couldn't smell me. You could smell him though. He yeah. took a couple if of whiffs and you're like, that. this is a big guy. I heard him and I looked over and I was like, oh my goodness. Like there's a buck coming towards me and he was probably 50 yards from me at this point. Yeah. Like v- really close. And so I like took my rifle off my stand and I like moved it over and I didn't have it on any stand or anything. I was just holding it in my arms. And at this point he was probably 30 yards from me. And like any moment, if I made any sounds, he would have like noticed me and I was up higher than he was. And so I was like looking down on him and he was kind of like grazing. And I just, I remember I was like, I'm going to try to shoot him in the head. (laughs) <laughs> because he's so close and I don't want to like disrupt the, like I wanted to keep the like liver and the heart and like, you're really supposed to shoot him shoot in the, the heart. heart. Yeah. Yeah. But I was like, well, if I like miss his head, I'm going to like shoot him right in the, like <laughs> straight on, like he was so close. And I, I remember I like had him in my sights and I like pulled the trigger and I shot him right in the head. <laughs> <laughs> so you weren't able to mount the, <laughs> I have the the antlers, but the his antlers, skull yeah. is like messed up. Oh yeah, that's why you don't shoot him in the head. Was how how big was the rack? It was a five by five. Oh, it was wow. actually pretty big. That is pretty much big. bigger than I like. Dude, oh wanted. Man. man, would you ever mount? If you would have shot him through the heart, would you have mounted him? Uh, no, no. Okay, I yeah, I don't really want to spend any more money on. Him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I, I preserved the antlers. They're in my garage. They look yeah. pretty cool. Matt, we have a pair of antlers in the garage. Matt only got from. Uh, she asked my, I think my dad the last year he shot. Can I have the antlers? Um, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what she's gonna do with them. Um, no, that's great. Yeah, and then I like I butchered it all myself. So like I like yeah, cut it all up and 
Oh, dude. I like sort of knew what I was doing, but I didn't really know what I was What'd doing. What'd you do with the meat? Did you just bag uh, it all and freeze it? Yep. Yeah. Yep. So, oh man, we should we should get together on uh, Madeline and I just bought a meat grinder. Ooh, and we're gonna that would have been really nice because I made all these big like fillets and cuts. Yes, yeah, yeah, and they were good, but like they're not great for like and I just had a lot of roasts. Exactly, and a lot of roasts, right? And sometimes you just want ground beef, or you want to make yep. sausages, or yeah. whatever. Yeah, no, you should. We should get together if we if we. So my dad and brother, we when they went hunting last year, they just froze a lot of the. I mean, they cut off the nice roast and then they put like the the middle to lower tier stuff. Sure. They just cut up into pieces and put it in a bucket, and they they end up freezing it. And they bring it to the locker right away to make into the sausages and and ground ground venison, and and so I'm like like bring it out, and we're gonna we're like gonna try to make like uh my dad really is like he likes this idea of like oh we should make a house recipe like because every every locker is known for, for their, sure. their 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 house sausage yeah yeah exactly like i mean they they have a they have a house blend of seasonings that they put in and like the ratio because you you have to add in a little bit of pork or beef to just give it a little fat content and and so like every every locker is known for its you know its flavor and so dad wants to like let's try out a couple different things and we'll settle on like oh this will be ours and so uh we're gonna do that this summer and then when we're hunting this fall We'll um, get more into well. We'll do the rest of it ourselves as well, but uh, but yeah, we bought one of those attachments that goes right in the front of like a KitchenAid mixer. Oh yeah, and so if you ever want to bring down some meat, we'll we'll make some make some good sausages. Sweet. Um, oh, I was gonna I was gonna ask you something. Have you ever read the the book Born to Run? Uh, I don't think so. Okay, so sounds familiar. It's it's. Have you ever heard of uh, what is it called? Endurance hunting. It's. it's I know the, of it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Where you outrun your you outrun your prey. Your prey. <laughs> um, and it's always been such an interesting as because I know you're a long distance runner, right? Like you've done. Uh, I'm running marathon. a marathon tomorrow. Wait, tomorrow? <laughs> tomorrow. What? <laughs> In six hours. Whatever. What? Not six hours. No, not it's seven a.m. No way! Really? In twelve hours. Twelve hours. I'll be running. You're running a marathon. Yeah. For oh, the Lincoln Marathon. Oh, that's awesome! Lincoln Marathon's a great marathon. Yeah. Did you? This isn't your first. You've run a marathon before. I have. This is my first Lincoln Marathon. First I've done. You did the Omaha one. Yep. That's right. And you realize how hilly Omaha was. Yeah. Right? Omaha Marathon kind of sucked. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I have a bet going with Madeline that she uh, needs to run a marathon if I if I get down to one eighty. Um, which I, I'm very close. I'm 185. I was never that. And I was at 195, and I was like, "Yeah, I need to lose weight." And she's like, "I've like encouraged her to run another marathon because she she did very well." Um, so this marathon tomorrow, oh. I'm like, I'm definitely <coughs> in condition to do it, and I'm not worried about it. But I haven't been like training for it specifically. Um, you're I'll gonna, be okay. So I'm doing this goal where I run 600 miles this year. 600 miles yep. like in over the whole year yeah a thousand kilometers that's my goal and this is not the right way to think of it but i'm like oh this is this marathon is a great opportunity for me to like run more miles yeah so it's like i don't have to run as much no this month because i know i'm going to be doing 26 26 miles <laughs> oh that's funny so it's not like good for training it's a good route besides when you like make the turn to do your second half Oh, yeah. I'm not looking forward to that. I've done the Lincoln half marathon 
like yeah. three times. Yeah, yeah, same. And and, and it just drops off. Like everyone, yeah. they like they have the guy that points people into the stadium. Yeah, I'm not looking forward to that. <laughs> and then be like, you can point nah, it the I'm way. good. <laughs> and and you're like, and then like, cause you're just alone. You're like totally alone right. out there. You're like. Yep. Just you and no one else. I mean, like the like twenty people. No, it's way more than that. But like a thousand people. But yeah, yeah, it's yeah, it's quite a. It's a, it's a really it's ranked Lincoln Lincoln Marathon is ranked like one of the best ones to make time on because right. it's, it's so such flat. A, it's so flat. Yeah, and it's it's a good course. Um, so maybe if you do really well, you'll we'll see you in Boston. That's my goal. Not this go round, but eventually to make it. Oh, that's see, that's my goal for. I'm trying to get my wife to to qualify for the boston marathon your goal is to get your wife to qualify yes okay yes exactly good goal i am i am her i am i am i am the champion of my wife's dreams (laughs) which happened to be mine as well very special relationship (laughs) it is it is it's uh i i want i want her to achieve uh, uh, whatever she she can dream up, and so I'll I'll help her I'll help her get there. That's beautiful. And uh, um, it's funny because she's in the room, like yeah, right next to us, yeah, laughing she's at in the this. Room. She told me not to talk about her, but uh, I too late. I, I love talking about my wife. She's she's the better part of me. I'm trying to run this in three and a half hours tomorrow. Oh, the, the, I thought you were talking about the podcast. I was like, no. oh, we'll make it under that. No, no, I'm not worried about that. <laughs> you're, you're, you're running the, the marathon three. That's a good, that's a decent time. It is pretty good. So that's yeah. eight minute mile. And, uh, have to, you been on track for that? Yeah. Uh, the last marathon I did was 3:20, and, uh, I hadn't, I've been running like three 10 Ks a week, which is enough to keep me in shape. Uh, Honestly, the last long run I did was in New Orleans, and I did a 10-mile. I did a half marathon just around the city, and that wasn't bad. Um, But that that was a few weeks ago, and so I haven't done anything, like, long. That's at a lower elevation, too. You're you're at (laughs) sea level. (laughs) Below sea level. Below sea level, even. Oh, hey, Madeline and I are going to New Orleans. What are, if you had to give me three recommendations, go check these three things out. Absolutely. Well... When you got to go to Frenchman Street. Wait, French Frenchman Frenchman Street. Frenchman. So the French Quarter. That's where like everything's at. That's where okay. Bourbon Street is. Yeah. Uh, yep. Which Bourbon Street wasn't actually. Did you know that the whiskey was named after the street? Wait, really? Yeah. Like Bourbon, Bourbon Street, Kentucky Bourbon whiskey is named after Bourbon, Bourbon Street. Street was Bourbon. named before Bourbon whiskey. Oh, interesting. The rumors are that there was whiskey from Tennessee. It was shipped down through the Mississippi and it got stuck on a barge in the port and they couldn't do anything with it. And it was stuck there over the summer in New Orleans heat. And so it had been like, like in and out of that oak barrel. Yeah. Yeah. And they're just like, well, just sell it to New Orleans, like to the, whatever the French quarters. And they've loved it. And people on bourbon street, there is bars there that couldn't get enough of it. And they kept wanting that, that Tennessee whiskey yeah. and they called it bourbon. Oh wow. But yeah, so I don't I can't say for sure if that story is true, but I do know that Bourbon Street was named before bourbon whiskey. That's like that's like uh, You always think of Bourbon Street Bourbon Street as like Yeah, I, 
totally know, thought the other party street because of yeah. like whiskey. Yeah, but it's bourbon. That was one of the original streets in the French quarters, which is the oldest district in the U.S. Oh, the French Quarter is. Yeah. And the French Quarter, you would like this for city planning, is the only orthogonal, like, straight-lined streets in all of New Orleans. If you see any streets that aren't straight, you're not in the French Quarters. But the French Quarters is, like, all 90-degree angles everywhere. Oh, interesting. The rest of the city. I wonder- and the French Quarters is about the only place in New Orleans that's above sea level. So during Katrina, they didn't actually flood. Oh, but the rest of New Orleans did. Mm. So, okay, anyways. So the Fr- French Frenchman. quarters, yeah, the French Frenchman Street is just uh, west, which is downriver, I think. Okay. So just west of the uh, uh, French quarters. And so there's about 12 bars there that all have live music every single night. And all the doors and windows are open. And there's no cover charges, so you walk down the street and you say, oh, I really like this band, I'm going to pop in. So you pop in, you listen to music for a while, you tip the band, and then you go down the street, and you can do that through this whole street. Oh, cool. And it's less like Bourbon Street, it's just kind of wild, party. I hear it's, it's, it's like neat. People but keep warning like, me how dirty it is. There's debauchery, and it's like actually dirty. Yeah. But... I will say it's, I was surprised with how clean the city was just okay. in general. Uh, every night on Bourbon Street, they have this big like tank truck that washes shoots, it down. That yeah. washes down. Yeah. And all the bars, they wash out, they have hoses and they wash out from the back of the bar all the way and to the street. And they push it into the street? They push it in the street. That's And old then the school. tank truck pushes it all down. So like the first day that I was there was like, early afternoon i was like you know this is actually really kind of clean for as like you know dirty (laughs) as what i've heard wait till tonight (laughs) and then yeah i was there on a weekend and i was like oh (laughs) oh this is is wild yeah yeah they i had a i had a co-worker that said he fell into a puddle on you can never know what those puddles are (laughs) yeah he said he immediately had to go back you know leave the group to go but new orleans is great i could spend a lot of time there like Las Vegas, after two nights, I've had my fill. I don't want to. Oh yeah, but like New Orleans is like real music and like amazing food mm-hmm. and culture. Mm-hmm. Um, like there's some of that Las Vegas like strip feel, yeah. but like you don't have to go to it. There's other way more to yeah. the city, which is. I I think that it'll be interesting if. I mean, it's my sister-in-law's 21st birthday, and so... Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think... See, it's so Have fun. yourself a hurricane and... Oh, man. Yeah, I, I wonder how hard we're going to go. I mean, again, the the newborn's coming, um, but uh, but uh, the, the mother and father-in-law volunteered to come along and stay back and hang out with uh, Ernest, baby Ernest, um, and... Uh, but she she planned it interestingly where she got to choose the three day weekend and she she turns twenty one on a Saturday and instead of like going Saturday through uh, Monday she's instead going Thursday through Sunday and I was like oh you're not gonna be twenty one for two thirds of this trip <laughs> but um, 
That's all right. That's all right. We'll do a power hour. There's a so the bars in New Orleans go twenty four seven, all single wait, night, wait, wait. all night. I can get a drink at like seven a.m. and you can walk down the street. Oh, cool! With an open container. Hey, look who it is, Nick Austin. So, uh, Ty, I don't know if you, you walked in this immediately following this podcast. Uh, we're having our curling. Uh, wrap up for the season so curling wrap up yeah so uh the what the what curling was league our uh oh, yeah. what, was, what was our team name austin drawing a blank drawing a blank that's right <laughs> we're drawing a blank went uh undefe- not undefeated we went undefeated in the second part of the season so we played we played the this fall exarbon exarbon curling club we played the, the 20 games in the season 10 we played the fall and the winter leagues and we were champions of both of them and we went undefeated we only lost one or two games in the fall and didn't lose any in the in the winter and so i would say we're probably the best team in the league but uh, sounds pretty good (laughs) yeah yeah so we're we're having a little bit of a of a grill out tonight and uh that's wonderful yeah but our, our skip is unfortunately leaving town for north dakota so that it's, it's almost a farewell party as well who's skip uh adam adam, adam schlickman. schlickman oh yeah i know adam yeah so um so we might actually have to wrap up the the podcast here beautiful that's all right we're gonna get austin on the podcast here <laughs> austin you want to say anything Yeah, I wouldn't worry about it. Yeah, it's not a high bar to get over. No. So, well, thanks for having me on, Ty. Absolutely, Tim. Tim, do you have any uh, last thoughts here? I really appreciate hearing your, just, you know, all your experience. and. Yeah, I, no, this was a lot of fun. Um, I love, I love talking to you about this kind of stuff. Love to come on anytime else. Um, but uh I guess uh, maybe I'll just follow up on something else I, I said earlier. If you really care about your communities and how you're how they're being built out, and and uh, if you want to see change in them, I would just really encourage people to engage uh, their their city, um, the personnel that work there, and the the politicians they have represent them. And I I would be encouraged at the local level. I can I can speak for it personally that uh, they do listen and um, and. If you if you choose if you want to see change, be the change in the community you want to see, and so you can do that very easily by talking to those people. That's wonderful, Tim Adams. So, thank you so much. Thanks, Ty. We'll do this again. I, I know we will. Okay, sounds great. Thanks, man. <laughs>